Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined by a very, very special returning guest. He's a friend of the show, writer of weird horror and sci-fi and an all-round lovely man. Please welcome John Crinan. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for the intro as well. It's very nice to be back. How long ago uh, was the changeling? It what feels like a lifetime, uh, but it might not have been. Oh, that's a good question. Like yeah, no, putting you, putting maybe like the spot. March twenty twenty two, possibly. Okay. Oh, it was a while ago then. Yeah. It was a little while ago, yeah. yeah. And that, that goes down as one of my favorite episodes in recent memory. Uh, sorry, Andy Conduit Turner. Because I felt like it was one of the most uh I think we got to the crux of the movie better than any other movie. Sure we had fun, sure we had some laughs and jokes, but I feel like in terms of like a piece of horror journalism, if, anyone, if anybody said to me, listen, what's your best piece of horror journalism you've ever, ever done? I'd say, thanks for asking. But also, <laughs> listen, to this, listen to this episode of me and John Crin talking about the changeling for two hours. My goodness, that is high praise. It was a lot of fun. I remember it. And I, I love the movie. And I remember on a few occasions hearing you talk about it and it like reframing uh some of the things that i was thinking about whatever scene we were talking about at the time um mm. but but my overwhelming response to that praise is pressure <laughs> because we've got a lot to live up to <laughs> yeah we have <laughs> we got absolutely loads to live up to uh also no andy conduit turner uh as maybe previously advertised i think in the previous episode we may have said he's he's in las vegas who knows what he's doing there gambling gambling his life away that's all right no he hasn't got an addiction um he's there for, for, for work reasons he was <laughs> due to join us on the show live from las vegas almost like ghost watch has got a american correspondent coming in live via satellite oh, uh yes. we were gonna have andy conduit turner however he's been i, I don't know a bit jack lagged a bit tired it's i mean 11 a.m maybe 12 a.m 12 yeah we got a lucky little glimpse of andy he did he did join us before we started recording just to say hello and it was very lovely to see him but yeah he must be very very tired after the flight and 
his yeah. his hotel room looks amazing. Him. I mean, sometimes his hotel room does look like, look amazing. He's living living a life of luxury, um, not based on his role as a podcast host. Unfortunately, you know, we we can expenses we haven't got. Let's <laughs> send you out to Vegas as a correspondent. Uh, so yeah, it was lovely to see him, but he's gonna take a week off. Don't don't blame him. You know, we we can carry on. We can hold the fort down better than not better than him as well as him. That's what I meant. God, I'm very happy to be here to to assist and to play my part. It's yes. good. And I'm not just a, a patriot, a patron against my will or whatever <laughs> it is that you say. You're not just a patron against your will. You're also a co-host <laughs> against your will. I forced you to come on today. I've gone. Listen, if you don't come on, I'll bad Look, mouth you on the internet yeah. until the cows come home. Look at these plain <laughs> walls. This is a prison that I am in. It's a box <laughs> yeah. that Ben has put me in. Yeah, it's just my spare room. That's all it is. Uh, yeah. And sometimes I let you out, but very only only occasionally. Uh, but most of the time, I just Zoom call you to see if you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Any banging that you hear through Ben's microphone is not pipes. It's actually me trying to get out Help of this me. box. Get oh, that was, that was good. Pipes. Uh, so this is, I guess, kind of like the Halloween special because this is going out Halloween week. Um which is exciting, but not only is it a Halloween special, but it's 30 years almost to the day that Ghostwatch first broadcast uh, back in 1992. So on Halloween night as well. So, you know, if we were smarter with this, maybe we would have put it out on Halloween night and gone, this is the 30th anniversary. But, you know, maybe it's gone out slightly earlier. Just listen to it on Halloween night, you know. Yeah, there's some fun stuff coming. Yeah, I so oh, can I talk about the film? No, maybe I shouldn't talk about the film yet. But there's some fun stuff coming in in Ghostwatch land uh, from like various retailers and things like that. I don't know if you've heard oh, about that, but we're maybe okay. getting a little bit ahead okay. of ourselves. I got a di- I got a dispatch notification just this morning uh, for my new Blu-ray uh, of the of the film. Yeah, because I think that's where me and you. <clears throat> sorry, uh, I think that's where me and you first started dis- discussing Ghostwatch was when maybe you or me shared the the image of the of the blu-ray yeah um, and then i think we talked about it and then we, and i think it was then we said let's maybe do an episode on it um yeah a lot of love for ghost watch i think there was a screening of it at celluloid screams as well was that right i don't know mm-hmm. if i've got that completely wrong is that right yeah I, ghost, cup... ghost watch van was there that's exactly what i was about to say i follow a few people who were at it yeah. And they posted some photos and the Ghost Watch van was there and there was some like folk walking oh, around in the Ghost Watch crew t-shirts and stuff like that. And also <laughs> some of the, the cast and crew were there. It would have been a great event to go to, but I couldn't make it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you did go to a, a horror festival fairly recently, didn't you? Horror I festival? did. I went to Dead Northern, hmm. which was absolutely awesome i had the best time at dead northern i saw oh goodness i'm gonna forget some of the things that i saw but i saw so many great movies it was basically three days of just horror features and shorts uh i went there with my uh my writing partner and best pal hannah mariska and we hung out and we uh, drunk wine and watched loads of uh, horror movies and met up with uh, talking about cast and crew like there was so many directors and stars oh, and wow. um goodness I, I could i could say i mean the one that's jumping out at me as probably one of my favorites uh, favorite movies of that actually there was two 
oh gosh there was a couple but, but i'll forget <laughs> i'll forget tons of them because i think i think i watched i think i counted them at the time i watched eight features and something like 20 short films over the course of my time there i only missed one feature because I can't remember. I think I needed to eat at that point because it had been a few days. But I saw a movie um, called The Group, which I would highly recommend to everyone. I don't know how much to say about each of these movies, mm. um, but The Group is essentially a kind of... Um, it feels like a piece of theatre put up on the screen. It's It takes place really over kind of 90 minutes in real time inside a sort of Alcoholics Anonymous type setup. Everyone's sitting in a circle um, and then an, an interesting character sort of mm. joins the group and uh, things I go south for a believe, lot of people. I believe you saw that for Fright Fest. Uh, yeah. It could have been. Yeah, there was a few movies yeah. from Fright Fest, which I never, I wasn't at Fright Fest this year, but there was mm. definitely a few movies that had their premiere at Fright Fest that then their second screenings were at Dead Northern. And the next film ah, I'm going to okay. say, I think that was true of, it was um, Eating Miss Campbell, which was also oh, at yeah. Fright Fest, I believe. And I saw that and I just loved it so much. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't have enough good things to say about it. Uh, eating miss campbell and then there was another film which was kind of a bit quieter uh, like i hadn't heard of at all uh, i just recently finished a and D campaign as some of the the hawk and cleaver fans and listeners might know there was the monsters and madness podcast which i was part of along with andy conduit turner uh, a little shout out for that podcast which has just mm. finished up recently anyway there was a there was a film uh, about uh a Dungeons and Dragons game played across Zoom um, called Shadow Vaults. Oh. oh, wow. Okay. And it was an insanely concept. effective horror movie. I really, really loved it. I think that was on day one. And I, from the moment uh, the credits rolled, I thought that is, this is going to be tough to beat. It's, um, I don't want to talk too much about it, but it really is, you know, we obviously had Host, which was the big Zoom horror. Mm -hmm. uh, but Host had a lot of, um i i loved host a lot but it had a lot of special effects and like things happening and people running around uh shadow vaults is is very stationary it really does feel like you are just watching a zoom call there's not a lot of flare and flashy stuff happening it's really just people talking but mm -hmm. goodness it's scary and oh, super wow. effective i i hope a lot of people see that because it it wasn't one that i had heard of before and I haven't heard a whole lot about like it getting released. No, I, I don't know I've what the situation heard, is with that movie. That, so. Yeah, uh, and a couple of uh, of short films as well. I could I could talk about Dead Northern a lot, and yeah, I've probably been talking about it too much already. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I went to that recently. And that's a that's a yearly event as well, right? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. Always happens. Okay, a hundred percent. I'll be but... going back. It was my first time there. I actually. Um, found out about dead northern at ChillerCon this year which was another event that i was at which is actually going to come up later because there's a little ghost watch thing about ChillerCon that i want that i'll mention um mm. and i met some of the uh the guys there they were they were repping uh trauma at the time uh, they were at the okay, trauma stand okay. at ChillerCon, and i'm a big trauma fan actually eating miss campbell is a trauma movie um 
and they told me about Dead Northern. They were going to be there with their next movie. So I saw that and met up with them for a couple of drinks. That movie was called Calling Nurse Meow. Uh, there's a photo on uh, my Instagram of me with the star Nurse Meow uh, at having a having a drink. And uh, yeah, I met them at ChillerCon and were pals uh, along with Joe Cash, the director, and they're doing loads of fun stuff. So it's been Sweet. a fun year for big events and horror stuff. Yeah. Maybe we need to cover Dead Northern as well. It does sound like a, sound like a good time. Yeah. Sounds like you had a good time. What are your plans for Halloween weekend slash Halloween day, night? Oh, gosh, I'm going to be so boring because I, I don't <laughs> really have <laughs> big... Never that. <laughs> I don't really have big plans this year. So it's interesting that we are talking about this movie today on this episode because ghost watch is actually my halloween movie i think yeah. i maybe said that earlier i, I think watch we've discussed it. this yeah i think maybe we've yeah. discussed this like at some point i watch it every halloween night and normally i save it so i, I watch the film once a year and it's on halloween mm. and it's around about the time that it was broadcast i probably i normally try i'm that guy i try and start it around <laughs> about 9 p.m and watch it on halloween night uh, oh, so I had to watch it, it early this year, which is no bad thing because right. I love it. Well, maybe I'm spoiling it by saying, you know, I'm a fan of this movie, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I will probably just watch Ghost Watch again <laughs> for the second time. Yeah. It's, uh, you, it's you definitely got... Wines and that's it. It's definitely got uh, rewatch value, um, especially when... Again, I'm not going to spoil anything, so we'll, we'll discuss that at some point. Um, so I've kind of remember seeing it actually I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself we'll, we'll talk about our history with the with the film as well um, well we haven't heard what your halloween plans are either i mean i'm not doing all that much on halloween night i mean the weekend before is forbidden worlds film festival so i'm going to a screening of elvira mistress of the dark on friday excellent um and then i'm going to no no sorry I incorrect information i'm going to a screening of evil dead 2 on friday and then I'm going. Then I'm going for to to a screening of Elvira: Mistress of the Dark on Saturday. Um, I have a question. Uh, yes, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but is this the festival where they are screening the Boxer's Omen? Yes, <laughs> that oh, is being shown on the Sunday. So yeah, anyone I mean... who's listening to this, I don't know if you're <laughs> yeah. going to see it. I am so insanely jealous of anyone who sees the Boxer's Omen on the big screen. I desperately want to see it on the big screen, but I cannot justify traveling to the other side of the, to the <laughs> other end of the country to watch it. Just, but oh my gosh, yeah, whoever's I in know. attendance is so lucky. That film I mean, is wild. So I was kind of planning to get a, a full weekend ticket, but unfortunately, it didn't didn't look like I could could be available for the entire weekend. Um, so yeah, the Boxer's Omen is being shown on the Sunday. Obviously, I did a an interview with the organizers of the forbidden worlds film festival which is on just on our standard podcast feeds as well um so that's what i'll be doing but then the week after that i thought i'd bring this up because this sounds interesting um at curzon cinema clevedon um they're doing a screening of the fog an immersive experience oh, so i, I mean without without even looking at the information i feel like what's going to happen is as soon as the fog rolls in they're going to get a fog <laughs> they're going to pump a fog machine into the cinema aren't they <laughs> yes they are <laughs> Yes, they are. And I'm like, I can't imagine anything better than that. I mean, it's not on Halloween weekend. It's the week after. It's like the 4th of November. But I was like, we have we have to. And then after that, there's a DJ set with DJ Chiba 
um, with a remix of the film's iconic soundtrack. He's going to be spinning. Spinning. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. I love it. It It sounds like perfect Halloween night stuff, but obviously the week after is still fine. I'll still be still be fully in 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 the in the Halloween vibes. I'm not going to be in Christmas mode. Yeah, I don't think any of my I don't think any of my local cinemas um are showing are showing anything uh Halloweeny. And they probably are. I need to I need to have my ear a little bit closer to the ground. I think I think I've been a little bit distant this. <laughs> this month for whatever reason yeah um i have been you know we were talking a little bit about what what we've been watching and i haven't spoken about i kind of spoke about dead northern which was a while ago but i aim to watch as many horror movies as possible in october sometimes Mm. as many as one a day so that would be 31 i Mm. think at last count i've managed five this month so i'm really really failing in this challenge Five is better than zero, you know? It's if you turned around and said, I've, I've watched absolutely zero horror movies. <laughs> uh, all I've watched are those made-for-TV romantic Christmas movies where all the all the, all the all the stories are the same. No, five's more than respectable. I don't know how many I've watched, actually. I've not been exclusively watching horror, but, you know, I think it's, it's kind of like my default now, and I guess that's just because hosting a horror podcast you kind of feel like you want your finger to be on the pulse but i feel like it is my default it's like what are we gonna watch a horror movie or maybe something else i don't know um i'm the same yeah Yeah. it's the default isn't it it's the default setting for me it's it's (laughs) default setting it's our genre so you know and there's so much coming out i really think we're living in a, a a sort of golden age or a yeah. golden year, like there has been so many releases this year. I am so desperately behind. Like there's so many that I haven't seen yet, but I see the trailers come out. I see the posters. I I hear about them and I want to watch them. I just there's all the TV as well. Like there's the Midnight Club on Netflix. I haven't got to that yet. Yeah. I'm so hopelessly behind, Ben. It's difficult, as as we often say on this podcast. Uh, content is infinite, and <laughs> and well, not completely infinite, but you're never gonna complete horror there's just too much out there and it's hard to keep up with it like sometimes i'm like okay i've got like a list of fairly new releases i need to work my way through um and it is it's tough it's tough finding the time um a couple of bits of horror news i wanted to mention before we sort of go into talking about ghost watch today so the conjuring four is officially in development with returning filmmaking team i know they're making the, the nun two at the moment uh uh, so yeah, this is the fourth conjuring with the Warrens case files. Uh, plot details of which case file remain under wraps, but obviously the last movie, The Devil Made Me Do It, was was all right. But they're gonna keep make, making conjuring films because it made two billion dollars worldwide. <laughs> the last one, so they're not gonna go. We've had enough of conjuring films. You know what? We should just knock them on the head. No, two billion dollars says keep it going. Um. Yeah. Did you watch The Devil uh, Made Me Do It, The Last Conjuring? No. Conjuring 3? I've just no. been listening. I've been listening to you talk about Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and The Nun. I've seen yeah. none of those series. Okay. Well, <laughs> The Nun, The Nun's not not very good. Um, I don't know how. Again, I think that's only got a sequel because I think critically it was panned, but it's got a sequel because it made a lot of money. And I feel like it's just one of these brands of horror movies. And I kind of feel the same with Smile, which came out recently. Um, which you know, it's gonna do the numbers. It's gonna make the money because it's 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 jump scares are plenty and it sells. It does sell, and the more yeah. highbrow horror stuff, you know, people go into it expecting 
that. I think that this is the thing. I think I've, me and Andy have spoken about it before. I feel like there are a few different modern horror audiences. You know, you can't just put put everybody into a box of they like horror films. You've got a few different types of horror fan, and some people just go into movies wanting to be wanting these big loud noises and jump scares. And if they don't get that, they they feel that they they're hard done by. So. Yeah, I've often called myself on like previous podcasts. I definitely said this a lot on uh, a podcast that I used to do with um, uh, my good pal Zoba with a shotgun called An Ice Chianti. We were on this show actually as that, um, which I, I often refer to myself as a fairly <laughs> bad horror fan because I don't typically watch modern horror um i've just said it's a golden age and but all those titles that you just listed i haven't watched any of them and a lot of the big franchises i'm not super interested in that's maybe a bad thing to say maybe there's some gems in there but i'm definitely when it comes to my horror taste they are they lean more in the classic horrors and that's and that's the stuff that i watch and honestly cult classics i'd say you view a bit more as well there's plenty of stuff that you've put out there on your on your social media and i've gone i've never heard of that but i'm interested because john's told me it's good well i mean don't always <laughs> listen to my my tastes are questionable at best eclectic eclectic yes okay let's go with that yeah quite oh yeah maybe not questionable that's not a good that's not a good word to use nowadays but yeah i um <laughs> i i tend to watch classic stuff and once you start branching out a little bit you know there's obviously there's all the classic cult movies that we all know and love but once you start looking out to world classic mm. horror cinema, you know, you re- you find all these little cubby holes of like interesting filmmakers and stuff like that. And there's just so much, there's just as much behind us as there is like, for, for, well, that's obviously not true, but you know what I mean? Like all this new films coming out now, yeah, just a glut of them. There's so many. Yeah. But once you start scratching the surface of classic horror, it's not just all those big names that everyone's heard of. There's a wealth, a treasure trove of, of amazing treasure forgotten trove. gems that are just, I, I think I'll just spend the rest of my life yeah. uh, working through. I think this is the reason why I'm always willing to fight the corner of horror because, you know, some people go, I don't like horror films. It's like, well, by saying you don't like horror films, it's almost like you saying, I don't like music. Because it's like, well, I mean, there's bound to be some type of music that you enjoy. Like, there's horror is such a diverse genre with so many different paths to go down. You know, if you don't like spooky stuff with ghosts uh, or found footage, then there's another fifty sort of subgenres you can you can dip your dip your toes into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's it's very very good times. And then also, you know. Uh, someone smarter than me said oh the first stories were horror stories you know the first stories that we told around the fire Mm. were things that are out in the darkness and what you need to be scared of it's like horror is in all stories i would say someone who says that they don't like horror films is sort of saying they don't like films in a way but um yeah 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 but i mean we're preaching to the choir maybe because yeah, people who are listening to this are, are already on board. If but... you listen to this podcast and you don't like horror films, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you doing here? I'm joking, of course. Everybody's welcome at all times. Uh, this is a safe space, as I've said many times. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, other, other, other bits of news. We've got some like gaming news from this week. I don't know if you've seen any anything. Oh, this... yes, I know I... what you're going to say, I think. Yes, yep. yes, 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 yes. 
Uh, so last week was prior to this big glut of announcements. Um, so we knew that Konami was going to do a big Silent Hill um, announcement on last Wednesday, I believe. And we'd recorded our episode just before that. And we were kind of talking about what we think it could be. And not, not only is it a new game, um, it's a new movie. It's a remake of one of the most popular games in the franchise. And like what seems to be a new possible um experience i don't really know what that meant it was a bit like a, a some sort of media experience whether it's a interactive game or something like that um i'm probably wording it all wrong however so silent hill 2 number one is being remade and is being brought out on like ps5 and pc and everything next year they've in, in, they're including um classic uh soundtrack artist akira yamaoka and also creature designer Masahiro Ito. So, you know, it's going to have a lot of the classic look look and feel and sound of the, of the original game. And we've got a nice little trailer as well, which looks incredible. Looks like they've kept a lot of original um, stuff. But again, like the, these remakes are sim similar to the way the Resident, the Resident Evil remakes are. It's the perfect balance of new and old, it seems like. Sure, the visuals have been upgraded, but they've kind of really gone for to keep the same sort of atmosphere and you know the gameplay is a little bit more polished but you know um and then also there's going to be silent hill townfall which has been a new game being developed i don't think we really found out much about what kind of game that would be um and then another game called silent hill ascension see this is the thing we went into it going is there going to be a new game announced and they went have all this have all this <laughs> um a new game a live real-time interactive series so maybe like a oh maybe maybe like um a live real time interactive series. So yeah, difficult to know what that really means. But you know, Silent Hill F as well, which I think is set in 1960s Japan in an abandoned Japanese village, it looks incredibly incredibly creepy. Uh, and then also a new movie, which is going to be called Return to Silent Hill, which is directed by the director of the the first movie. Christoph Gans. So there's a lot of stuff there. Are you a fan of, of Silent Hill, the franchise, games or movies or anything? Or So I I watched my... When Silent Hill 2 was out on, I guess it was PlayStation 2? Was that the original console it came out on? I remember yeah. sitting in the living room with my flatmate watching him play it and being kind of yeah. creeped out. I hadn't played the first one. And I didn't play that series at all, but I I, I appreciated it from afar. Um, I have a question about the game, actually. Do you, can you, because if this is coming out, because I would be interested to play some of these games. Do you think I need to have played Silent Hill One to enjoy the remaster of Silent <laughs> Hill Two? Mm, probably. I mean, probably not. I mean, it establishes a lot of the rules of the of the universe, and you know what Silent Hill is, and and that. But I think Silent Hill Two is like a standalone self-contained story about one a certain character and their story okay so i'd i'd say no silent hill one i think that's why they haven't remade silent hill one is because even though silent hill one is an amazing game perhaps the story isn't as there's not some there's not a put there's not more that they can do with that story i guess it's just a man trying to find find his daughter Whereas this one is about guilt and uh, suicide and loads and loads and loads of things that are sort of visually represented. So I would say no. I'd say you probably can just play Silent Hill 2. 
Yeah, well, I mean, in that case, I'm interested. I actually hadn't read the 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 post or the announcement, sorry, as closely as I thought I had because I didn't, I hadn't heard of some of those titles. I didn't realize there was quite so many games coming. But I'd heard yeah. about Silent Hill 2 Remaster, and I'm interested. You also asked me about the film. I'm I I actually I don't know what the general consensus is on the Silent Hill film. I I feel like people don't like it. I liked it. Yep, I'm, I'm with a you. fan. I'm with you. I liked it. I did watch Silent Hill Revelation this week. We'll get onto that when I say about what I've been watching, uh, just to refresh the old memory. <laughs> but yeah, I think the original film is probably the best example of um, video game to movie adaptation in terms of just capturing what that game is. You know, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's got like the same music. It looks the same. The performances are a bit clunky but you know it kind of goes hand in hand with what the performances of the game are like obviously now this is going to be a huge a huge sort of triple a title um so the performances are going to be better but i'm incredibly excited and and yeah something like a interactive experience i guess like do you know the games with like that it's just like full motion video games mm. maybe it's a bit like that where you have to make just make the decisions and that affect. was where my head went as well but yeah, I guess there's a little bit of a resurgence of those coming back now because we've got is it ghosts? Ghosts, Jed Shepard. Yeah, with yes. Jed Shepard's game. Yeah, so so maybe yeah. they're getting in on on that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, intriguing. I'm all up. For, I'm up for a resurgence of that because because uh, you know what, certain things like heavy rain or even um, uh, the quarry to a degree are kind of like decision based games, aren't they? I mean, there's a bit more exploration with it, but they're very story driven. Mm. Um, I, I'm thinking of another one. I can't remember what the other one is with the killer. Uh, yeah, but they're also like story story based games where the decisions of of you Im Im impact the story and the characters and what characters survive. So it's kind of just taking a step back, and I think it's good. I like it. Um, yeah. So yeah, loads of silent. I mean, as I think we mentioned last week, Silent Hill fans have probably felt like the black sheep of the um, survival horror franchise fans for a while because there's not been anything new and then we've got alan wake remake dead space remake uh a brand new game called the callisto protocol resident evil is releasing remake after remake after remake so silent hill probably felt like when well, can i have something <laughs> just give me a little bit of something they've done <laughs> have all this down your neck all this stuff they've been um, saving it up yeah i'll be there for silent hill too i'll pick it up yeah um, and there was another trailer for the Resident Evil 4 remake as well, which I think had like the first gameplay footage. So this is obviously a very, very different experience because this was the first time that the Resident Evil franchise, especially the, the main installments of the, the numbered installments of the Resident Evil franchise, the first time it kind of went action, a bit more mm. action orientated. Um, but yeah, it looks like in, they've remade some of the actual moments from the game one for one. And it looks it looks pretty incredible. So, uh, survival horror fans, survival horror gaming fans are eating good right now. <laughs> it's like it's, it's a, a it's golden a age. It is a golden age, you know. It is a golden age because just, you're never more than like a few weeks away from something awesome just being dropped in your lap. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it is a golden age. We're lucky, you know. People people are all for nostalgia. People are nostalgia hounds. Oh, I want it's good back then. I want it's good back then. It's a good time to be alive right now. There's a lot of shit going on. But at the same time, 
new games and stuff. It's a good time to be a horror fan because, you know, as horror fans, especially lifelong horror fans, you know, I I, I am of a certain age now, very late 30s, where um, I've sort of been a horror fan for a long time. And we struggle like you know it's it's peaks and troughs we we there are sometimes where there's really not a lot mm. uh there, there's not a lot of, to offer and it's kind of difficult to be a horror or you, fan or you uh, end up you in, you're in the middle of a you're in the middle of a horror craze that you're not quite into you know like i'm just thinking torture porn of the of the mid 2000s yeah. you know all the hostels and everything that wasn't always for me I felt yeah. a little bit alienated. Like, oh, this this doesn't feel quite right for me. Well, we've that's been and gone, and now maybe I look back at it fonder than I did when uh, I was actually when all those films were actually coming out. So, yeah, yeah, we should be very grateful for for what's coming out, and I should get off my arse more and get out and see some of these films. Um, I I I did my you know I did my work with Dead Northern, and like I saw a lot, but there's more. You did. There's always more. But you're also. You're making something yourself, right? Oh gosh, yes, I am. I'm trying to. This is, yeah, this is one of the reasons why I, uh, or one of the reasons I am a horror fan first and foremost. So I wanted to go and see these films. But mm-hmm. Dead Northern also gave me the opportunity to speak to some filmmakers, and I am trying to, uh, or I guess I'm not trying to. We are doing. Uh, we're right mm-hmm. now. I am shooting a, a short film. My lead actor is in Canada right now, so I'm waiting for him to come back so we can pick it up again. Uh, but it actually works out for the best because we need the dark nights. We need uh, kind of longer nights so that we can shoot because it's all at night. And yeah, I have a little short film that's fun and uh, there's not many details out yet, so I'll, I'll be cagey about uh, okay. the description. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying it out and it's really going well and I'm, I'm excited about some of the stuff that are coming out. And this is sort of my move towards filmmaking, which is something that I have been putting off unintentionally for a long time. Uh, people will know that I that I write and do various other things with podcasting, but filmmaking and film has always been my dream. And I think it was from, you know, lockdown and the 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 events, the world events of the last couple of years have made me very impatient to chase all my mm. uh, my dreams now. And uh, that's exactly what I'm doing. So we're starting small with a short, but hopefully we'll we'll go further. We'll see. Very, very exciting. Um, how are you finding the process of of it so far? Then it's it's intimidating, but a, a lot of fun. There's a lot to learn, especially when you're you know sort of very, very kind of fiercely indie and have a very mm. small crew. I am very lucky to be surrounded by some very talented friends and people that I can call on. Um, I have, you know, things like actor friends. I have uh, an editors. I have musicians. I have a composer for the score already. I have a lead, you know, I have my lead actor. I have uh, a lot of different things. But I, I'm also, you know, doing this for zero money and just trying to make it work and trying to learn all the technical details of lenses and whatever else you know three-point lighting and and stuff like that it's fun because i want to learn all this stuff but it's also there's there's a lot you you can visualize something Mm. and trying to get it up on the screen there's actually quite a lot of work that goes into it who would have thought um but i've also been very um 
pleasantly surprised by mm. how good some of the stuff we've done has come out. I, I, I also okay. like practical effects and I've been playing around with building my own practical effects. And I did one practical effect that I built myself and sent it no to, okay. sent, sent a video to uh, a good friend who I perhaps should have been a little bit more cautious about it because I forgot that she wasn't great with the sight of blood oh, and shit. she had to sit down after she watched my <laughs> oh, practical effect. So yeah, that cool. was very validating. If if anything, that shows you that it was good, right? That shows yeah, you that it's effective. Yeah, that validated yeah, yeah. big time. So yeah, it's can fun. You, it's fun. And um, can, can you give I'll us have a lot more to say about it. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. I was just, well, I was just going to say, can you give us any more details about it? But then you say that you will have a lot more to say. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'll 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 hold back just for just now. <laughs> Any, anyone who's looking on, anyone who's looking at my Instagram, because I posted a couple of behind the scenes, uh, photos from our early test shoot, which was a couple yes. of months ago now. Uh, will know and be able to see that it does involve a garden shed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's about that's about all that's been publicly publicly said so far. But I I uh, I pitched it to a few of the filmmakers and uh, people at Dead Northern that I sat and had a drink with, and everyone was pretty excited about the idea. So hopefully it'll be oh, hopefully it'll be a winner. I'm incredibly excited. Looking forward to finding out more oh, about cheers, that. Dude. Cheers, definitely. Um. Okay. So. Next up is what we've been watching. I guess we've already covered a bit of that in Dead Northern, but is there anything in the last, I was going to say seven days, but obviously you said you've watched five movies in October. Any of those you, you're willing to, to talk about or got I, much to say about? I would happily mention them all. Um, I, I Well, apart from the film that we're talking about here, I watched uh, Werewolf by Night, which mm -hmm. I, I'll go through them relatively quickly because I spoke so much about Dead Northern. I dug it, but I don't know if it exactly went in the direction that I wanted. And also I came to Werewolf by Night having already heard a lot of the hype. A lot of people were really loving it. And I think maybe my expectations were just a, a, a fraction too high, but I enjoyed yeah. it and I don't want to, you know, it was good. It was good. I also saw it went to a screening of Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola uh, film, which is wow, just okay incredible it's i mean anyone who's seen that will know it's it's one of the most visually interesting movies i can think of honestly definitely mm. one of the most visually interesting horror movies um i also watched my bed, best friend's exorcism i have not read the book uh, mm. unfortunately the the film didn't fully work for me so that's all i'll say about that i rewatched yeah. basket case the frank hennenlotter classic which is one of my yep. my faves <laughs> And I also watched uh, Rob Zombie's The Monsters because I was just insanely curious yeah. about that film. And it's dividing opinion. I loved it. Okay. I think it's great. Okay. So that's my that, that that's my five that I've watched. I've not I've not seen I've not seen it yet. If you're gonna recommend anything then, would you say monsters? From that list. Um oh. well just because it's new, yeah. I mean yeah, I think I think we should all be out there watching the monsters and supporting Rob Zombie's uh, crazy visions. I yeah. am a big Rob Zombie fan. I do not stand by all his films. I'm not that guy. Um, you know, my favorite still remains House of a Thousand Corpses, but uh, yeah. the monsters is a lot of fun. I thought it was great. Okay. Okay. I've still got it on my list to, to get around to watching in October. We're running out of days in October so yeah. far. So I will need to get around to it. Um, I've only seen a 
few things this week. So I watched Smoke and Mirrors, the story, the story of Tom Savini documentary. Um, that was good. It was it was a pretty standard affair in terms of in terms of a a documentary. It was a life and times of a groundbreaking horror legend. Obviously, his makeup and effects like set the bar, I guess. Um, but in a certain era, didn't know he was he was in he went to war in Vietnam. Now, so that was interesting to find out. I first saw Tom Savini with his crotch gun in From Dust Till Dawn. And I had no idea who he was, you know, <laughs> when I watched it in the 90s, I was just like, it was this guy with his crotch gun. And obviously, as I became more of a horror fan, uh, as I got older, I realized oh, it was, he's, a, he's a big deal. Um, I watched, obviously, I mentioned Silent Hill already. I watched Silent Hill Revelation, um, Revelation 3D, it says here, but I didn't watch it in 3D. And obviously, as I seriously am a big fan of the first movie, I can't believe like, how disappointed this film is. It's just so, so lame. It's it reminds me of the worst of the Resident Evil movie adaptations to the point where I'm almost like I'll probably rather watch some of those. It just looks cheap. Performances are bad. Uh, John Snow's in it. What's his name? Kit, Kit Harrington. Kit, Kit Harrington. He's in it. Carrie Ann Moss is in it. Sean Bean's in it. You know, some heavy hitters. Everyone sucks. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Everyone sucks. Sean Bean. <laughs> John Bean's doing an American accent. I'm like, he could do an American accent in the first Silent Hill, I swear. This tub around is like, he is just the Yorkshire's slipping through. Um, <laughs> it's just it's really dull. And as a film, it kind of feels like, a, it's it's kind of like the story of Silent Hill 3 with a bit of Silent Hill 2. But it's one of those films where every scene, the characters are telling you what's happening. You know, just one of those films where you're just like, all right. <laughs> Okay, we get it. Um, so yeah, didn't enjoy that. Probably will never watch that again. It's just because I couldn't remember what it was like, really. I was like, I'll give it another chance. I'm all, I'm all hyped for Silent Hill. Um, and then this week I also watched VHS 99, which is now streaming on Shudder. I found this installment a bit jarring. And maybe VHS 94, the last, ver- the last installment, I found it a lot consistently pretty good. This one, I probably only one or two of the segments I'd say were worthy watches. Um, there's a section called Shredding, which is about like this all-girl punk band who die, and then they get like trampled by uh, by a crowd in like an underground venue, and then years later, some kids go down there to try and you know summon their spirits. That was really good, um, and also to Hell and Back by. Uh, the Winters, who also directed Deadstream, which we mentioned um, oh. over the last couple of weeks. That was really good. Um, just like two guys get accidentally sent to hell during a exorcism slash maybe not exorcism, but like a demonic ritual. And then they're trying to get back from hell. And, you know, some really gruesome practical effects. Um, and just, yeah, it was just good. But there were a couple of segments where I was a bit like, uh, not, not so much, not so not so into them and also like the wraparound story wasn't as as interesting as maybe like uh has been on previous installments it was good though you know it was it was a good watch and i think this is a good sort of like halloween time of the time of the year watch as well i do love an anthology yeah both that and deadstream are on my list to watch very soon so i'll be i'll be checking out both of those dead deadstream's great and if you like Deadstream, you're definitely like To Hell and Back from VHS 99 as well. It's got the same sort of vibe uh, and just a really, a really like engaging brand of comedy as well. You know, when sometimes you find footage films try to be funny and you're a bit like, all right, yeah, all right. This is genuinely like, yeah, that's funny. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm cracking up. This is, <laughs> this, this is very silly, but, you know, st- silly, but still scary, which is a very, very difficult uh, balance yeah. at all times. Big time. Um, but yeah, that's all I've watched apart from the film of the film of the week as well. I mean, I think we've covered quite a bit with our with our films and and you know with Dead Northern and and stuff like that. I think we yeah, but there's a couple there that you watched that I definitely want to and yeah, I would recommend The Monsters for you. Yeah, I've got to check out The I Monsters. Think we can squeeze in some more this month before we're out, so it's good. Yeah. Well, essentially only one more week. So let's get let's get as many watches as possible. Um, okay, so this the film of the week is Ghost Watch, which is a British reality horror pseudo documentary television film. First broadcast in BBC on BBC One on Halloween night, nineteen ninety two. It's written by Stephen Volk, directed by Leslie Manning. Um, the drama was produced as the part of a BBC anthology series called Screen One. Uh, by Richard Broke. So despite having been recorded weeks in advance, the narrative was presented as live television and during and following its first and only UK television broadcast, the show attracted a considerable amount of oh shit, amount of uh, furore, <laughs> resulting in an estimated 1 million phone call inquiries to the BBC switchboard on the night of broadcast, compromising of a mixture of complaints and praise, I reckon mainly complaints, uh, for the program's <laughs> unique presentation. Apparently, it's never been repeated on UK television because mm. of the event that happened. Um, I, I think it's been shown on some. I think it was it was on Shudder briefly as well, but most of the time it's available um, on the internet, and it is getting a Blu-ray release, which, of course, you could probably tell us a bit more about. Well, yeah, I mean, the, what I was going to say is, talking about it only being broadcast once, there was a period of time when it was pretty difficult to track down Ghostwatch. Like, it was difficult to get a copy of it for a while. Um, mm. I have, like, what I watched in, and this will only be useful to uh, our video watchers, but I only I couldn't even get one of the, like, an, a solo uh, Blu-ray release. I've got a double feature copy with the stone tapes, the Nigel Neal uh, oh, yeah. th- uh, thing, and that's how I watched it. Um, it was difficult to track down. Uh, also, I'll just give a little shout out to this. I uh, I said there was some fun um, announcements yeah. coming in that's Ghostwatch. That's what I'm space. looking at right now. Yeah, I just clicked yeah, on that so... page. There's a there's a behind the scenes like a feature length behind the scenes uh, documentary about Ghostwatch called Behind the Curtain. Getting hold of one of these DVDs wow. is very 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 <laughs> difficult. Um, however, the good news is to anyone listening now, they've released it. You can just get it now on BFI Player. It doesn't matter. Uh, you don't. I had can. to I had to uh, jump through quite a few hoops to get a copy of that documentary mm. a while back. Now everyone can watch uh, Behind the Curtain, and I highly recommend that you do. Wow. And yes, there's a Blu-ray That's coming cool. as well, and it's yeah. just been released. We were supposed to have it in our hands already. I think there was a little bit of delay with manufacturing, so I literally got the uh, dispatch notification this morning from uh, 101 Films, and they've got a lovely uh, limited edition Blu-ray that I am very excited yeah. to receive. I can't remember all the special features and things in it, but anyone who wants to see it, you know, jump over to my uh, Instagram and I'm sure I'll be, uh, it'll be in my stories or something because I'll be very excited when it arrives. Really cool uh, artwork as well. Looks uh, incredible, incredibly uh, green. Is it green? Very uh, green. Is it green? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I don't have my copy yet. 
<laughs> it's on its way. It's been dispatched. Yeah, it's on its way. Um, so yeah, what is your relationship with with Ghostwatch? Obviously, you say you watch it every Halloween. How long has that been something that you do? Yeah, so I only I am not one of those people, unfortunately, though I'd love to say that I I was that watched it when it was originally broadcast. I did not see it. I'd heard about it. I'd seen clips. I think maybe someone had yeah. like it taped on a VHS or something like that and I'd seen like bits of it, but I only watched it for the first time um probably like 5 or 6 years ago, something like that. And it just became an instant an instant classic for me and by its very nature you know it, it's it's as you said it's presented as a live broadcast that goes out at like 9 p.m on halloween night uh in 1992 and um just because i'm one of those guys i like to kind of try and replicate that so every year i'll put it on around nine on a halloween night and yeah, I mean it's it's just it's just one of those classics and it and instantly became a tradition and I've introduced it to a few people who hadn't seen it and it's very difficult not to love this film mm. but we'll get into that later. Yeah, I mean like there's something uh, is is a cult classic amongst horror fans now and obviously it 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 was quite a controversial thing back in 1992 and i guess in the same vein as like war of the worlds and the way when that radio broadcast went out a lot of the british public um gullible (laughs) (laughs) not like it's the first first thing of its kind you know so for it to go out it's gonna a lot of people are gonna genuinely believe it's it's real and i think that's captured like the imagination of and i think it for me that does something when something initially comes out and a huge percentage of the audience thinks it might be real. The Blair Witch Project, for example, when something like that happens, it really like captures my imagination. I'm just like fascinated by the fact that, you know, it's not a case of being gullible. It's a case of like everyone is so open to these stories. And we've obviously already spoken about all stories are horror stories. Everyone's just so open to the fact that, that something like this could be, could be real because it's not presented as something where there's, you know, jumps every five minutes and there's like ghostly apparitions just appearing in every minute. It is open to a lot of interpretation. There's also something about the way supernatural true stories were presented by the British te- British television in the 90s. Um, do you remember the program Strange But True, which was presented by Michael Aspel, I believe? Oh, gosh, uh, I vaguely remember it. Yeah, but I couldn't be able to sum up any details about it. I used the to the watch, title rings a bell. I used to watch that every week and like genuinely almost every week had a story which would absolutely terrify me. And it was always just like stories like, oh, this person was seen on top of a building or something. And then, Oh, and then we found out that somebody had committed suicide there. It one year ago, they're all very similar stories like that. Ghostly apparitions, strange happenings that were kind of explained sometimes like cryptid stories and things like that. It was, it's just, there's something about the way these kind of like true, true horror stories, supernatural horror stories are presented in British television. There's like nothing else. And I think that's why it's, it, if, you know, for, as British as people have watched like the BBC growing up and watched um like live broadcasts like this with with tele with uh telephone switchboards of people calling in. Yeah. We've grown up we've grown up with something like that. So to see it reframed as this, it just feels there's something about it. It feels really familiar and it's not and it's almost like safe. It feels kind of safe. 
and that when these things start happening which are genuinely quite scary it's a really unnerving way yeah. to feel about everything happening on the screen yeah yeah i mean the format just as you were saying that i guess it kind of popped into my head that i, I guess in a way ghostwatch sort of transcends just being a film and sort or 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 a or a TV show, I guess, might be more accurate. It transcends that and becomes an event, which is mm. kind of an interesting thing that not a lot of films that get spoken about can can really say. Um, yeah, it harkens back to all sorts of things that we saw growing up. Children need or or, or you know whatever, yeah. just these events where things kind of that live broadcast format where things can go wrong and you see this the edges you see the seams you know you see the cut of the camera to uh the team outside uh and they're not quite ready you know that's what this film does so well is it captures all those little details mm. of just you know you see the the boom enter uh you know the shot and it's all so intentional and it's all, you know, so smart about how they do it. And obviously anyone watching now and anyone seeing it for the first time now, especially someone who's not a UK uh, resident or, or even, but even someone who is it, all the little details, the police car, the, the, even the BBC logo is very dated now, but it still has that feeling yeah. of authenticity because they did use all the authentic kind of, bbc uh vans outside and there's a whole section in in um uh, behind the curtain the documentary about how everyone wanted them to make it look more felt like a film you know that's what the rest of that series that you yeah. mentioned that it was originally a part of everyone wanted it to look as little like television as possible but the makers of Ghostwatch kept pushing in the opposite direction. No, yeah. it has to look more TV, more TV. Um, and that is why so many people, you know, called up and bought into this yeah. thing. So I that... think one of the reasons why it's so believable as well, and I was thinking about this, is because of the personalities, the TV personalities that are involved. So it's not actors. It's Michael Parkinson, like a chat show um, presenter, usually Sarah Green, who... Was she on Live and Kicking or something like that? Or some something sort of sat like Saturday morning TV show? Craig Charles, obviously presenter, mainly a presenter. I know he's in Red Dwarf, but also a presenter, like presenter of Robot Wars and various other things like that in the 90s. So these are familiar faces that we're, that we're used to seeing in this sort of setting. We're not going to, you know, if you do just suddenly tune in, you're not going to immediately think, okay, this is just a... Uh, this is a mockumentary or this is a piece of fiction because yeah, these crucially are the that... not non-actors like yeah. michael parkinson is not an actor he is no. a personality yeah sorry exactly yeah so i think that's the reason and, and now you mentioned a lot of people called up now there was a number on the screen and when you called up there was a there was a message to say that this is fictional and this isn't real so please bear that in mind before you do that but apparently because so many people called the number it was the, the lines were jammed so a lot of people didn't actually hear that message so maybe there was a there was a percentage of people who would have had their minds put at ease and be told look this isn't real but they couldn't get through so they did they never knew um but there is a I... bit there's there's a bit of controversy about like it affecting kids and like even there's a story about about somebody committed suicide as well did you hear about that yeah, this is mentioned in the in the documentary as well, and it's. I really wanted to rewatch the documentary in time for our 
our viewing tonight, but um, yeah. uh, as you know, as we spoke uh, offline uh, through DM, it was this was all a little bit um, by the seat of my nice. pants. So I just watched it again. <laughs> yeah. I just watched Ghost Watch again a few hours ago. Um, yeah, that was a really kind of delicate situation that I, oh gosh, I don't remember in enough detail to comment on, but I, I know that, you know, there was definitely, it was definitely brought up in the documentary and uh, mm. was was a very, very upsetting situation to happen, obviously. Yeah, um, I think I need to watch the documentary as well. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it. So I would like to watch that and hopefully have some of those details cleared up because, uh, again, yeah, sensitive topic, probably not the best to comment on it. However, from that, it's obviously, yeah, it did deeply affect a lot of people who watched it in 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 a positive way of course because it probably shaped a lot of young horror fans um tastes as as they grow up especially going from that into like uh the Blair Witch project like 7 years later um but yeah and obviously in 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 negative negative ways as well but it's, it makes it incredibly incredibly unique i don't know what else you could sort of describe as a reality horror pseudo documentary television film i think i mean i'm pretty sure this is the only one right it does stand alone for sure yeah definitely and you know talking about the, the kind of more positive aspects of it 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 is still genuinely frightening to me now even with all the dated aspects even obviously knowing that it is a mockumentary that it is fictional I still find so many uh, moments in this film genuinely frightening. It still kind of like puts the hairs on the back of my neck mm. up. It's like, um, so I can only imagine what it was like watching it live, like sitting, not having any idea what this thing was. Can you imagine sitting on Halloween night, not having anything to do and changing the channel, maybe missing the first five <laughs> minutes? And just coming into this thing and it's it's Michael Parkinson, he's presenting something and you think, um, you know, you just think, yeah, okay, they're doing some dumb. I love the thought of like, the most cynical person watching on Halloween <laughs> night and being converted. I just love the thought of that. Just like somebody sitting there going, oh, this is all a load of nonsense in it by the, at the start. And then by the end, just being like trying to ring the number. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's structured so perfectly for that that casual viewer coming in. Like I uh, watched it today, and my flatmate was here and watched it as well, and she had never seen it before. So I was able to kind of see someone mm. f discover this for the first time. And I think I needed to pause it at the halfway point, <laughs> kind of pretty much exactly the halfway point to grab a tea or something like that. I don't remember what it was. And I turned to her and I, and I said, "What do you think so far?" And I'm not. I don't want to jump way ahead to where you're at around the halfway point, but nothing really has happened yet. Like the structure is kind of perfect in that it's sort of a little bit dull for quite a long time. And I say that as someone who loves this film. Um, yeah. And she just said, "I'm intrigued," and I was like, "Yeah, that's the that's exactly where you should be. So don't worry, it hasn't mm. all kicked off yet. Um, it's structured perfectly for that casual viewer flicking in. You get lulled into this false sense of security that yeah, this is." just as dull as a live uh, broadcast from a supposedly haunted house would be. And then you see a couple of things. Oh gosh, maybe I'm jumping way ahead, but, but anyone who's listening to this will have hopefully watched the film. Um, you see then that 
it looks like it's a hoax. So immediately you're, yeah. oh, of course, of course it's a hoax. Mm. And then it it takes off. The way that uh, Stephen Volk wrote this is, and the and the whole creative team, I think is kind of genius. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of like critical response, I know it's difficult to sort of judge it because again, it's not really a film, but you know, it's still got some, it's still got installments on um a page on imdb and stuff so 7.5 on imdb 3.9 on letterbox on rotten tomatoes it's got his 100 percent critic score i think it's only got five reviews on there though 75 percent audience score i've got some choice reviews here from letterbox users nick says it's safe to call ghost watch one of the most genuinely terrifying horror movies ever in history just imagine a truly disturbing blair witch project and ringu hybrid and you get ghost watch four and a half stars Cinema Void says it's the spiritual successor of 1938's War of the Worlds. Ghost Watch has British Karens screaming, won't somebody please think of the children back in 1992. <laughs> Orson Welles would be proud. This is the thing, like, I was, what was I, six? Six in uh, 1992, so I don't remember, like, the backlash, but I can imagine the newspapers and just, like, the general, like, mums and dads, if they let their kids stay up and watch this, uh, would have been pretty intense um, if i had just been a few if i'd been born a few years earlier i'm a little bit older than you ben mm. and I'd, i was i was i would have been about i would have been around about 10 and i think if if i had been around about 12 or 13 i would have been yeah. there i would have been watching it but i wasn't <sighs> quite there yet so i just I missed this, it i think in the same as you were like i'd seen clips of it or maybe uh, this is the kind of thing that my mum probably would be very aware of so i'm pretty sure she would have told me about it like as i was as i was growing up um because i guess it kind of we have what do we have most haunted on i can't remember what channel that was on that was kind of like late 90s into early 2000s when that came out wasn't it um, which was a genuine like reality show based well i say genuine uh, a reality <laughs> show based on ghost sightings and a scouse guy who was possessed by them Derek akora rest in peace um so obviously that it's this has probably inspired so many things not just movie wise but also like reality television wise as well yeah yeah i mean it's it's i i think a lot of people reference this film as as an influence and as an inspiration i think a lot of people saw this at a really kind of pivotal point in their lives and or you know a lot of the filmmakers and horror writers and horror people out there now were at the right age or you know maybe just a little bit too young or just around that kind of time and yeah and and i like i said i didn't see it when um it was broadcast but i, I caught it when i when i yeah. when i caught it a few years ago and it's it's been something that i think about a lot I, I i hinted at and i'm sorry for derailing whatever you're going to say next but just so that i don't forget i hinted at that i was going to say a chiller con story and i'll say it very very briefly yes. um because stephen volk was actually at chiller con this year and um Amazing. there was yeah there was a lot of great uh names there and everyone was just hanging out you know everyone was just in the pub so you could sort of rub elbows with with some really amazing horror personalities. And, you know, I was speaking at points to Mick Garris, who, like, I was totally fanboying yeah. over because, you know, direct, he's obviously done a lot of things. But for me, 
Critters 2 is one of my <laughs> favorites. And I, uh, you know, I was speaking to him and then there was like, you know, more more recently, like MR Carey and, or Carrie, I think it's how you say it. And, mm. um, you know, I'll forget a hundred people that I spoke to, great, great writers and, and filmmakers and whatever. And I was happily chatting to them all. Uh, but Stephen Volk, I saw, and I was so kind of starstruck that I could not bring myself to go over and say hello. And I, I put that down to like how how important this, this movie is uh, to me, despite discovering it late. Uh, mm. I just think I just think it's uh, it's so staggeringly good and important mm. and and has influenced uh, many, many people in ways that we probably don't even know. I, I think you, I wouldn't be surprised to see this come up on a lot of people's kind of best of and favorites or mm. or experiences that early horror experiences that they uh, that influenced them or it's changed the, the direction of their their fandom yeah definitely it's, it's like it's like lightning in a bottle and I, i'm always fascinated by these kind of things who like they arrive at the perfect time for the technology that's available um the 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 i keep i don't want to keep saying <laughs> That the audience is, but you know, the willingness for the audience to play along. Whereas now, in the world of social media and all information being readily available, it's difficult. I'm not saying everyone's super cynical, but it's difficult to like sort of capture the the imaginations of like a huge chunk of of an audience. Like imagine like how many people actually tuned in and watched it on a terrestrial TV channel. So for that. It's like lightning in a bottle. It's almost like it can't really be replicated. It's almost like you just have to, there's the next thing that comes along. And of course, yeah, we've obviously mentioned like Blair Witch Project. And then, yeah, so War, War of the Worlds, Ghostwatch, Blair Witch Project, probably like the free, which is radio, TV, internet. Well, and you I feel like. <laughs> you, you also mentioned something just kind of interesting there is like when the, t the technology uh, sort of. Um is there so actually that kind of made me think and we've mentioned it already in this chat is is ghost watch kind of not that dissimilar to something like host or mm. unfriended or or you know like yeah. the skype this the the zoom horror the skype horror this was the tv call like call-in uh, horror you know i, I actually yeah. think that maybe there's an argument to be made that perhaps they're all in the same family somehow, which I hadn't yeah. thought about until you just said that. Yeah, I think I think I think you're right because obviously when this was broadcast, like obviously nowadays you just go on Twitter and look at the hashtag Ghostwatch and see what everyone was saying about it. And once you read that, fifty people have said it's a hoax. It was filmed six weeks ago. This is ridiculous. Not even live. You go. Oh, it's not even live. And then carry on. You know. So. Yeah. Um, but also the Enfield, I think it's slight, loosely based on the Enfield Poltergeist as well, which happened like between 1977 and 79. And uh, that it's loosely based around that. And I guess it's because, you know, two girls being haunted by um, sort of a, a malevolent poltergeist. Have you seen The Conjuring 2? And I've already mentioned The Conjuring Devil Made Me Do It, which is... <laughs> No, <laughs> the Conjuring Two. I'm a terrible horror fan. Then remember, if you if you if you like Ghostwatch, I think of of any of the Conjuring films, Conjuring Two is probably worth watching because it's set. Uh, it's based on the Enfield Poltergeist, so it's set in the UK. Um, okay, feel, I'll watch it. And it's got a lot more of that. Um, 
as somebody from the UK, when things are set in the UK, like the film that scares me the most out of all movies is 28 Days Later. And the reason for that is because it's set in the UK. And it just feels like that could, you'd walk out onto onto your street and then you're there, you're in it. When you're watching a movie set in Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're like, Texas miles away. It's never going to happen to me. Um, But when you see things happening literally in, um, you know, two up, two down council houses and stuff like that, it feels incredibly close to home, and I think that is what makes it so much more effective. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I used to have a little bit of a, I don't know, uh, a sort of bias against uh, British movies. This is going back a long way. I'm I'm, mm. I'm a smarter, uh, more you know, kind of <laughs> level-headed guy now. But yeah. it was simply because it didn't feel exotic enough. You know, like movies yeah. should be. Hollywood, or they should be this, yeah. like you know, Americana type Escape- thing. That was, escapism. Yeah, that's what movies looked like to me. And whenever I saw something that was, um, you know, which was rare because uh, I, I that just wasn't what I was watching. But when when I occasionally happened across like a British movie, or even worse, a Scottish movie, um, <laughs> I would have been like, well, this doesn't feel like a movie at all. I can just go out and see that. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, I understand <laughs> now how good that is. Yeah. And I, I've, com- I've done a complete 180. I'd like to just report on that on that particular stance. But that was definitely something I remember thinking, that's not yeah. a movie. That's just out- maybe, like, that's outside. I think maybe I'm a bit, uh, a bit of a similar mind, I think. Yeah. So I remember kind of being a, obviously, always been a big film fan when i was a kid but i remember seeing like it was the full monty <laughs> and just being like saying where sheffield <laughs> i am not interested in this what's going on um and full monty like amazing film so <laughs> i've definitely been there with you i think like when, when like when i was younger it was always like i don't know batman and robin just, just. <laughs> this movie hasn't got Arnold Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman in it. I'm not interested. Um, and yeah, now, right. I've done a one, now I've done a 180 and I go, that's a shit film. And for Martin, great. Um, also, here's another piece of inf- interesting uh, information. The telephone number that was used as the call-in number at the time was the same number that they used on programs like Going Live and things like that. So that people were familiar with it. So mm. almost again added to the facade of it being real. Do you remember the telephone number? It had a little tune. It's like oh wait one something, but no, I don't remember the little tune. Do you uh, remember the tune? Kind of. I feel like it's something like this. Oh eight one eight one one eight one eight one. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. That was beautiful. I, I, I swear it's something like that. Yeah. I think that's but... just from watching, you know, live and kicking and stuff. Like that. <laughs> Might be different. Yeah, they don't sing the jingle in Ghost Watch. No, it just appears on the screen in a in black font. Uh, okay, so obviously we've mentioned a lot of the people who are involved in this: Michael Parkinson, um, Sarah Green, Mike Smith, Craig Charles, Gillian Bevan. But but obviously there are some actresses in it. So obviously the family, the mother and two daughters, are all actresses who give you know. Good, good enough performances again to buy into that sort of reality element of it, um, and then obviously just some other people on the street who are kind of adding to the lore. As, yeah, as the, I, I as... think the performances are, are. I think the performances of the central kind of family are are good. Some people I have heard people say, you know, that it's not a good performance, but I actually think that real people on television 
are kind of awkward and like y- yeah. you know what i mean so it sort of works for me <laughs> it, there are some lines that kind of they stumble over or something but i think that's what a real person would do so it might actually be yeah. a exceptionally good performance uh i can't remember the yeah. name of the actor who's, who is the mum, but i know that she's done I feel like she's quite an accomplished actor, if I remember correctly. But I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't pick anything um, out. Pamela, yeah. So Pamela Early is played by Brid Brennan, who is a Northern Irish actress. Um, she's done a lot of theatre work, apparently. So that's uh, probably... maybe that's. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray, and I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll presents the Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in, hold it. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Um, won a lot of the a lot of awards as well, so yeah, seems pretty established. Um, yeah, so that that's a great performance. The kids, the kids are pretty good, but again, like it's the nineties. Like, I can't remember my kids are acting. There's a weird bit where like Sarah Green's putting the kids to bed and like kissing them goodnight, and I was like, who's this? She thinks she is. She's just <laughs> she's a TV host stepping in and playing mum. Yeah, that's there's a, a bit later a on as well where she like totally manhandles one out of the house as well, and it's like that you wouldn't get that nowadays. <laughs> Like pushing yeah. them out their room. There's uh obviously Craig Charles is like the the man on the street kind of um reporter who's kind of talking to everybody, uh all the uh, witnesses essentially who kind of all got their story and they add to the lore as well. Especially when the mystery starts unraveling, they mm. add to the lore. They've got little interesting stories and like genuinely quite creepy little stories as well, isn't it? Like all these little creepy little elements and details that get added. Yeah, I don't know how exactly we're going to handle dealing with the plot and how we're going to talk through this sequentially because it does kind of lots of little vignettes almost happen and it's kind of difficult to talk about. So I don't want to jump ahead if if you've got a plan, but there are some very, very creepy and dark, dark 
stories that are being told. The one that stands out in my head is the dog, uh, okay. which is like I, you know, I don't want to go into it. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you dictate how we how we navigate this particular film. It's like an unconventional sort of thing. So I think we'll we'll kind of go through beat for beat. But feel free to pull pull anything from like the the end of the film in and stuff. Like obviously we are going to be spoiling ghost watch right if you haven't seen it um uh, first of all if you haven't seen it we recommend watching it why not on halloween night Definitely. uh but yeah so obviously it's presented as a live tv broadcast you've got michael parkinson who's in the studio um and he's got like a expert with him who is what's her name again sorry um he's got an expert with him in the studio who's kind of like um and then i've totally forgotten at, her name that's so bad as as you usually would have with things like this, there's a skeptic as well. So there's a skeptic side to it. There's another guy in the in the studio, but then there's also a American um, psychologist. Is it psychologist? Well, Doctor Lynn Pasco. That's it. Doctor Lynn Pasco. Yeah, and uh, the yeah, there's a guy who comes in through satellite where they're like, we've got a skeptic here who's going to throw cold water and all of these, all of these things. Um, Sarah Green is these i guess you got like the main host actually in the house in the haunted house which is getting all the cameras set up craig charles as well um oh yeah and there's her husband mike smith who's also he's like overseeing the the phone calls from the public um wonderful wonderful uh hair almost like a hair helmet <laughs> he's got going on um it looks like it's got a lot of volume but i also feel like a lot of that volume may have been achieved with hairspray so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not judging one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> it's like one level better than Michael Parkinson's. So, well, I've got nothing to add to the hair chat. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And obviously, I'll just agree yeah. with you. So for me, Sarah Green was like the person I was most familiar with because I grew up with her on things like Going Live and I think eventually Live and Kicking as well. Um, so she's kind of like the nice calming influence on the family as well we're obviously going through quite a lot of trauma and this is the thing it tackles the trauma that they're going through but it also tackles uh the pressure they're getting from all sides especially people calling into the show or kind of cynics and trying to disprove a lot of what they're sort of discussing um and it goes in a lot of interesting directions i know you obviously mentioned that the, it goes into a direction of there's possibly uh it's possibly a prank being played by the girls but um yeah so in order to they've oh yeah they've got a sound guy and a cameraman as well kind of like characters on their own although sarah green's obsessed with just saying they look like other people says says one of he does do a great adrian edmondson impression that guy it's really good i was like he looks nothing like him and they just the impression i go yeah right we'll let you Yeah, I mean so, they've got like they've populated it with this cast of characters who would be the crew on this, you know, um, on this live broadcast. And the nice thing about it as well is they set up very quickly where they fall on the sort of skeptic to believer uh, uh, sliding scale. So uh, you know, uh, Sarah Green is. Um, is a believer she has stories and is is as talking about experiences that she's had with the supernatural and it has made her excited to go into the house uh, whereas her husband her real life husband is less of a, a believer Par- parkinson himself michael parkinson comes across as a bit of a dick so yeah. often in he this does. because he plays the skeptic so well um 
uh, but I really like that that aspect. And then you've obviously got Dr. Len Pasco, who we now remember her name, uh, who is obviously a believer of the of the highest caliber because she's going to mm. dedicate her professional life to this. And she's been working on this case for, I don't know, months and months and months and uh, is is the resident expert. Yeah, she's a resident expert and she gets a bit annoyed a few times when those skeptics are kind of really putting her to the to the test in terms of some of the things that are being seen and the stories being told. And she's also developed like a, a bit of a relation, personal relationship, you'd say, mm, maybe just like a connection slightly to to the mother and the two daughters where she like she wants to help them. She understands they've been through a lot. I think they've like contacted. I think they say they've contacted the council to get moved, but they weren't believed, you know, for some yeah, it's presented as sort of like this is a last ditch effort uh, for them yeah. to be believed, you know, doing something like going on national television in this <laughs> big fl- flashy uh, event um, might be seen as 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 you know something else or for you know what what are their motivations but they paint it quite well that no we've got no choice because we've tried yeah like you mm. say go to the council we've tried to go to the tabloids and we're they just getting laughed at local they went on local television as well didn't they um and i think they said they got the backlash they got from that was essentially the same which was yeah. like uh you're just making this up oh yeah for a laugh i think that, again inspired by the the story of the Enfield Poltergeist because I think there was a hell of a lot of that around the Enfield Poltergeist story and I don't know if anything was proved one way one way or the other but I think it was we're pretty sure that the girls were like it was it was a prank I keep saying prank but that's not the word I mean what word do I mean hoax yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. well I mean yeah so that, that and that and and I've already mentioned you know that that's coming in the sort of uh journey through this this event and setting up that kind of last ditch we're desperate at where a family who is desperate for help kind of sets up a really nice motivation for for that yeah. to happen because you do have this quite long period of time in in the running time of the film which is like a tight 90 minutes perfect 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 time time uh mm-hmm. running time for any film um where not much happens and it uh, yeah, it really sets up that that as being a believable thing that maybe someone might do when when nothing is happening for the cameras. And this film is is populated with a lot of beautiful. I mentioned earlier, you know, it's the little details like mm. seeing the little mistakes, but also just seeing things like the way uh, Craig Charles kind of uh, interacts with people. So the, like, there's the moment where he jumps out to try and scare Sarah Green. And there's kind of so much happening, you don't always hear all the dialogue, but he says, you know, that he had a bet with her husband that he could get her to say essentially fuck or some or a four-letter yeah. word on live television. And that's such an oddly specific little detail and character yeah. moment that just shows how wonderfully written this is for a start, because not everyone would put that kind of care and attention into a fairly insignificant sort of on-screen relationship between between Mm. those two as the two people on on site and it's just seeing all all that all those tiny little moments that make up this 
the, the sum is uh, so greater than the parts or something like that. You know, I just love but it. She does. She doesn't say fuck. She says beast. Uh, she does. Which is they say they say a four a four letter word, but she says a five letter word. Yeah. Well, he doesn't win. He doesn't win the bet. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I wonder how the how the family felt that prank happening. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does. I think it does cut back to 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 Lynn. Is it? I keep saying Lynn. Is it the at the expert in the studio? Yeah, Doctor yeah. Pascal, Doctor Lynn Pascal. Doctor, yeah, Doctor Lynn Pascal. She's fuming. She's not impressed at all. She's like taking the piss, aren't they? What is going on? But again, that feels really authentic to me because yeah. I think in these big TV productions or anything like that, the actual reason why you're there. Or, or, or why any of them are, are there is sort of lost in the event, in yeah. making the show. And actually, it come, like, you know, Craig Charles and, and, and a few of the others do come across as quite insensitive in a lot of the things that they do because they're there to entertain. He's got his little quippy, like, you know, big uh, personality that he's acting up to the camera for. And then there's the people who are in the crew who are there just to, that, that's just their job. None of them want to be working nights. They don't want to be standing out in the cold on night and they're just sitting talking, shooting the shit, you know? Like everyone has a different vibe on this and it comes across as, again, this poor family isolated, like not really being believed or not believed, just kind of indifferent. They're, they sort of, in a way, don't matter, which is maybe why you sort of warm to Sarah Green because it really sort of feels like she does become part of the family uh, uh, yeah. and and has and does kind of care about them. She also and... acts as like almost like a secondary mother figure, doesn't she? Like uh, throughout, um, who's who's the guy as well with the with the I mean, he's an incredibly nineties looking dude, the guy with the beard and the slick back ponytail. Um, oh yeah, I don't know his name and or, or but he's like I, I think he's the one that's monitoring all the sensors and things because yeah. the house has been wired up. I can't remember what his title is, but yeah, he's keeping an eye on the footage. His, his beard like starts underneath his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know so that you see like, the, the hairy face. It goes so far up his face. I'm just incredibly impressed by that. Um and it's I love a his it's a beautiful beard. He's got a lovely leather bobber jacket as well. And I think this guy, I want to spend more time with this guy. <laughs> we need a Ghost Watch spin-off just with him, oh, please. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd watch that, definitely. <laughs> um, the camera dude has also got like an infrared thing, like a predator vision thing going on on the camera, uh, which I guess at this stage you're like, okay, they're establishing this because it's going to become... Uh, important at some point and and i would say that actually although it is used later i think yeah. they missed a trick a little bit i think there could have been some really really uh effective scares used with this technology but for yeah. whatever so, reason they didn't use it one thing that they do include obviously and this is again if you've not seen it then probably go and watch it but there are little background appearances from from the the ghost known as Mr. Pipes. Now, things modern things such as like the Haunted of Hill House and Haunted of Bly Manor, I think, has adapted this and sort of started putting little ghosties in the background and you know under tables and in various places like that. Um, I never, I pretty much never ever spot them while I'm watching. Now, maybe two or three times this time I did because I think I knew when to look for them. But I almost never spot them, and I did go and watch a YouTube video afterwards, which showed all, all the spotted, all the ghost sightings in 
this. I know loads that happen like in plain sight as well sometimes. Oh, you'll ha- I'll have to see that. You'll you'll have to share that at some point because I haven't watched it, and I think I'm pretty good at spotting them. And there's a couple of like glaring mm. ones I I think uh, that are really difficult to miss, and they they honestly look a little bit a little bit ropey, a little bit hammy now. But you know, I still appreciate the effort that's put in. But I would be very interested to see a comprehensive list because at this stage, I yeah. feel I've watched the movie quite a few times, but actually. Um, I was watching it today and it wasn't a ghost sighting, uh, but I turned to my, uh, my flatmate when I was watching it, I spotted something that I'd never seen before in the film, which was at one point, the youngest of the two girls, uh, bumps her head, uh, when they're running quite, I mean, it's quite deep. It's about two thirds into the movie, I guess. And they're running out of a a room and she slams her head against the wall and I never spotted that before, and I can't—I couldn't figure out. I didn't rewind it or anything, but I couldn't figure out: was that a mistake that made it through, or was that intentional somehow? I—I yeah. don't know. But there's there there is quite a lot going on, and I can imagine that watching that list, that YouTube video that you mentioned, there's probably one or two, maybe more that I haven't yeah. ever spotted. There's one which I didn't spot, which is when Craig Charles walked up to a group of maybe like five people. Um, outside to talk to them, there was like a creepy person stood in the background oh, okay. of those of those people, and I never yeah. noticed it before. I guess it's supposed to be pipes. Um, so yeah, Mister Pipes is because so initially when this starts happening, there's like loud noises and then there's some footage in 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 a in a video where the two girls are trying to go to sleep and then there's like banging in the walls. And the reason they call the ghost Mister Pipes is because um the mum Pamela says it's like the heating pipes, the central heating pipes all clunking about. And, you know, we get that now, especially like in older houses and uh, <laughs> when the heating's coming on, you hear the pipes. And I always think about old Mr. Pipes <laughs> in there, stuck in the walls, what he's doing. Um, but also, it's not just that, it's just pipes is also like possessing and harming the oldest daughter, Suzanne. Um and obviously there's some links with the the basement of the house, which, you know, British houses don't really have basements, do they? No. Uh, no. I, know you're la- I know exactly what you're laughing at. And, <laughs> I uh, can't believe it's taken us this long to get to this. But yeah, I okay. can't believe it's taken us this long to get to this. So like the the the, 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 the um, door under the stairs, which is like the little Harry Potter door where Harry Potter lived, um, they call it the glory hole. Now, <laughs> I can't understand why it's called the glory the glory hole other than i don't know the origins of the term glory hole i only know one meaning for it who knows why but <laughs> why is this called the glory hole i feel like it's got no relevance to <laughs> well <laughs> the glory hole is so the a glory hole and how many times can we say glory hole in this episode um we should have <laughs> we should have said it a lot more already it actually is a term a British term, an uh, an old British term for the cupboard un- under the stairs. Okay. So there are people walking around, Makes and it happens. Sense. It happens from time to time. You'll be at some family gathering, and just by chance, <laughs> some old auntie or something will be talking about the cupboard under the stairs, and they'll they'll call it the glory hole. Oh, and all the... <laughs> all the young people will be like. What on earth is happening right now? It I was just... at the glory hall on the weekend. <laughs> it oh, just yeah. is a legit term. 
an outdated term, admittedly, but there so, are still people walking around calling the cupboard under the stairs glory. So holes. how is it? How did it transition from that? meaning to the to the <laughs> current meaning and look we don't want to assume that everybody listening to this podcast is gonna know what it is but it's uh i'm just gonna explain what it is it's a hole cut in something wood like a wall a sheet i don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> and the main usage of it is so that uh a, a member a male member you know most yeah. times uh would come through that hole in order in order for uh to be pleasured. Anonymous, anonymous By, pleasuring, yeah. anonymous pleasuring, um, in that way. Now, Often in a toilet cubicle door, for instance, in a, in, or a <laughs> wall in a public that's, toilet. That's the most common place common for one to happen. Hole. I'm sure there are more upmarket glory holes uh, elsewhere. You know, there must be. Surely, there must be. There must be. But yeah, obviously, and to us, we're kind of thinking, okay, that kind of makes sense because like there's a hole and it's the glory of. <laughs> receiving or giving anonymous sex in that way makes it glory i don't know <laughs> it feels like it kind of makes sense i just want to know where the transition has happened from it being like that where the cupboards under the stairs started to be used for that and then ben i wish i could help you out here man i, I don't know i don't know when it happened I'll maybe some digging i think we're gonna have to um maybe you know the first glory hole in the modern yeah <laughs> definition was through the door and a cupboard under the stairs in some f- famous person's house or some, well, something maybe like, like that maybe like a toilet cubicle was given a nickname of being a glory hole because it's kind of like a similar sort of space oh yeah like could a be cupboard under stairs yeah could be yeah i don't know but so so it's one of the things it's definitely <laughs> one of the terms uh that dates this uh, because everyone is running around uh, the 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 sweet mother, the kids, mm. everyone's calling it glory hole. No one's smirking or giggling. Like it doesn't. It's one of the things that just doesn't hold up to modern viewers, because it's very very distracting to mm. to hear that in the middle of everything that's going on. Yeah. It's kind of just confusing. I was a bit like, I didn't really know what they meant the first time I saw it. But yeah, especially when they say that, that pipes like dwells in the house's basement. Because again, I was a bit confused because not many British houses tend to have any form of yeah. basement, really, they... do they? I mean, especially like uh, um, terrace houses or, as I said, like the sort of like council terrace houses. Most of it's just like a, an attic. Yeah, like, I mean, it's very... Area. It's very rare for for yeah British house to have a basement. I agree, but they do maybe they maybe explain this away by saying okay. that the the house is sublet. Uh, so there's this c- couple in the sixties who sublet the house, and subletting can often be a rather secretive uh, yeah. thing that's done off the books. So maybe there was something like they they sublet mm. the basement or something like that, and it was rare to have a basement. I'm not sure, but yeah, I often. Um, you don't i mean this is a, a bit of a spoiler but again we've already said we're not we're we're not dealing with spoilers we never see inside the the glory hole we never see inside uh no. pipes's lair almost. so i'm not sure almost yeah not very old yeah that's true but i i guess in my head i'm still not and maybe it's described as a basement i don't remember but in my head i'm still not sure whether i see that as a as a full basement yeah. 
or just I mean, a, just, a cupboard under the stairs. I'm it not just sure. says it in the plot summary here on Wikipedia. So maybe the yeah, maybe it's yeah. been written. You know, maybe it's come from like an American source as well, um, potentially. But yeah, we never see inside there. We nearly do towards towards the end. Um, but no, apart from that, we just get to giggle away as they refer to the cupboard under the stairs as as the glory <laughs> hole. You dirty bitch. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so obviously for a fair chunk of this is kind of just attention building as the host, Sarah Green, kind of just what she like bobbing for apples with the kids, um, just chilling, having some snacks. They're watching TV at some point. Um well, then the mum goes and does like a television, does, does like an interview with Michael Parkinson where they kind of ask how she's been affected by everything that's kind of happened. Uh, and the doctor, Lynn, is kind of very, very um, quick to say, look, look how she... <laughs> this, I don't know why this made me laugh. This made me laugh. I don't know why it felt really Alan Partridge when <laughs> Michael Parkinson says, you can see it on her face. She's shattered. <laughs> Absolutely shattered. <laughs> look at a state of her. She looks awful. <laughs> like, oh, give this me a chance. Poor, this poor woman. See, it's just again, it's just more, more like insult upon insult. No one believes her. Say, people are saying she looks shattered on national television. It's mm. rough for her, man. It's rough. Yeah. She's had a she's had a rough time. But yeah, 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 we're we're cutting between lots of different things, and we're cutting to the phone lines as well. So we're getting mm. things like people calling in who are very much believers. We get people calling in who are saying how. Um, uh, yeah, how irresponsible it is what they're yeah. doing in broadcasting. There are people, there are the obvious people who are, they've probably had a few drinks who are phoning up <laughs> and sort of getting egged on by their mates and telling dumb stories like some guy talks about a sandwich jumping off a plate <laughs> or, or something like that. And uh, it's just little details. The like... sandwich just jumped off the plate right here. No, it's here. It's got <laughs> something me. It's got like me that. Fruit. <laughs> i didn't go that far but they should have but yeah but even like lynn is kind of like trying to give people genuine advice like oh you're not you're not alone uh maybe do this maybe do that and so michael parkinson sometimes is literally just like just put the kids to bed they've had enough don't want yeah. we don't want to give it he's like we don't want to give anyone sleepless nights he's all, again he's trying to almost throw cold water on some of it to try and um calm he doesn't want hysteria i guess yeah. Which is again another thing that adds to the realism of it. Like it seems like even its own characters within it are trying to sort of dial down the the sort of realism, dial up the realism. Sorry to dial down the hysteria. Yeah, and it, it, he's constantly presented as like kind of the biggest skeptic. I I think I think Parkinson. I know there's the guy who calls in whose name completely escapes me because he's only in two segments, uh, but the American guy who's supposed to oh, be yeah. like the head of the skeptic society. But even he kind of doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't gloat yeah, or, or, he or, says, or, or not enjoy it in the same way that Michael Parkinson seems to, you know, he says, I, I get no pleasure from um, being proved right or something like that. Doesn't he? He's just yeah. like, which is kind of like, like it, they could have easily played this guy up to be like the villain of the piece, but, but they don't. Um, he's just a is... he's just a different flavor. Everyone has their role. Like I say, everyone has that place 
on the sliding scale between skeptic and believer. And I don't really think that any two people fall on exactly the same point. I think everyone's slightly different and they're all done very intentionally. And I think, you know, again, I'm jumping around a little bit, but it kind of is in, in difficult not to. I yeah. kind of think that Michael Parkinson is set up as that, uh, as the biggest skeptic, as the, the, as the kind of prime skeptic, I would say, uh, so that the the very last shot has has more has more yeah. kind of impact but we'll get course, to that towards yeah. the end no i totally agree with that um and i think it does it really well uh there's a cat as well um this cat gets introduced a little while into it because i think sarah green even says i didn't even realize they had a cat i was kind of expecting it to go down a, a route of no we haven't got a cat uh, oh we haven't got a cat. What? Yeah, yeah. I was just next door. Don't worry. It's not a ghost cat. It's just next door. It's always, it always comes in for that. Um, I was kind of expecting that. But yeah, that's kind of important as well, I guess, in terms of some of the sound design. Um, some like genuinely like unnerving like sound design that we get. Oh, like, the sound on. design is beautiful in this. And it really picks up. Yeah, we, we haven't even got, you know, we're, we're still introducing... And I guess it all happens in fairly rapid succession. I think this is a really difficult movie to talk about sequentially just because it, it's it's kind of difficult yeah. to piece together because it does have this very live, very random, very much cutting from vignette to vignette and like jumping around, or not vignette, but not, not exactly, but you know what I mean, um, jumping around. But we're getting introduced to all these elements that are going to come in later, uh, the cats being one and uh, yeah. something else, which in my mind has just completely slipped up my mind, I was going to say. So sorry, carry on. <laughs> so one interesting thing that starts happening is that the public start calling in to talk about the footage that's shown at the top of the show, which is the girls in the bedroom. And everybody starts calling in saying, I can see the ghost in, 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 the, vi in the video. It stood by the curtain. And Lynn uh, Pascoe is very kind of confused by it because she's like i've studied this um like time and time again there's no way that there could be like a figure or a person there and then i think she looks at it and i think they even wheel in like a vi uh, like a tv monitor at some point they say we've got some yeah. brand new technology for you <laughs> it's an actual pen you can use to write on the screen and, <laughs> and she's and in order to circle like where and then she's again she plays the role here of like, yes, of course. She's she's just kind of like there is a bit of a confusion. She can again trying to dial down this hysteria and dial down everybody going wild for shadows in the corner of the video and everything. She's like, well, it looks like the curtain, but I can understand why you've seen a person. Um, it tends to be when we see the first thing we look for when we look at objects and you know shapes and stuff, we look for something familiar, which is a human face. Um, but unfortunately, not this time. Um, again, trying to. D dial down these moments and not going to go what's that what could that yeah. be but we um, see you know we as the audience of ghost watch get to see the 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 great little trick and it's it's kind of obvious and it's kind of dated now but that great little trick of them in certain shot certain times when they play that footage because they rewind it and yeah you know scrub through it certain times there is a figure a ghostly figure yeah. standing there and certain times there isn't so you do have that element of like Oh wait, hold on. You're like second guessing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Very yeah, simple just... but very effective. Very effective, yeah. And of course, there are a few little ghostly sightings throughout these moments um that you know that aren't commented on by anybody in the in the studio or anybody in the house because again it's just supposed to be those moments that we go, Oh my god, did you see that? And obviously when it was first broadcast 
you couldn't have rewound it to have a look. Yeah. So it's usually like little passing shots when it like just spins past the room or goes from one room to the other or door to door. We get to see a tiny little snapshot of pipes um, in his buttons done all the way up to his neck. And obviously that's mentioned in the description a few times as well. And then when people calling in describe the ghost, Lynn Pascoe is quite quick to say, there is, and then they play a bit of footage, which is the little girl describing what pipes looks like, and it matches up with the descriptions that the people calling in have given. And then she's like, "Nobody could have known that this piece of footage hasn't been shown to anyone or on TV at all. Has anybody known that?" So already, like something, something spooky is unfolding. Yeah, we're setting up like you know that this is the whole narrative thrust of the first like i don't know half to two-thirds of of the movie is like setting up all the pieces in a fairly realistic feeling way so there's some kind of moments of almost downtime where really nothing's happening and it actually feels like they're trying to fill time you know like Mm. it kind of does feel like that live um that live experience that we all recognize where maybe something hasn't quite gone right or it's maybe not as exciting as everyone expected. It feels like a live experience, but again, I feel like it's been replicated. Um, sorry, I was about to say it's been replicated in things, but then I was about to quote a movie that actually came out before this. So it feels like <laughs> oh, really? it's, in like Poltergeist, there's a mo- there's a bit where they uh-huh. set everything up and there is a bit of downtime. There is that downtime where everything's kind of normal and you are almost trying to fill, fill the time. Um, and then again, in the first Conjuring movie, sorry to keep bringing up the Conjuring, I can't help it. Uh, in the first Conjuring movie, when they're setting up a lot of this stuff um, to try and sort of capture capture these ghosts or anything like that, there is a bit of downtime. And it's kind of like average guys, you know, someone who's been hired to be a, a cameraman or, you know, someone to monitor the audio or something. There, there, I feel like it's a good way of establishing this tension, which is there's a bit, there's a period of time where things are just normal because... And and we could just imagine that, you know, we'd imagine just uh, imagine the hype of going to a haunted house and staying up all night. Like most of it would just be sitting around. Uh, (laughs) I mean, most of it slash all of it would just be sitting around and eventually falling asleep. So, again, it feels like it replicates that realism really well. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so it's setting up all those pieces. It feels real, but it's also introducing just enough elements of like maybe moments where someone would see something uh, mm. and then and then clarifying moments when there is nothing to introduce that doubt so you're not sh- quite sure which direction it's going to go in yet mm-hmm. and then i kind of feel like i'm not jumping too far ahead now then we get the moment where it's all the wind is taken out of its sails and it's all revealed yeah. to be a hoax and Michael Parkinson loves that moment. <laughs> he is <laughs> Michael so Parkinson laps when that happens. He laps it up. So Suzanne gets exposed as like, so it's weird because Suzanne, a few times she kind of seems a bit sort of like shy and reserved and she's kind of coming into the kitchen to get a drink and everything. But yeah, she gets exposed because she gets caught making noises. I think that the sound guy initially says he thinks he can hear some sort of scratching. Um, and how does, how does she get caught making the noises? They're it's it, they do it remotely from like the studio I think so they're panning all the the whole house has been wired up and there's CCTV throughout the entire house and they're trying to find the source of the banging so rather than uh, Sarah or whoever going upstairs. 
they just tell her to wait and they 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 pan because they're not sure if it's going to be safe or whatever so they pan around and then there's a little sort of blind spot that's not not been visible up until this point uh by the cameras but when you know when they move it they see that she is she's just hammering against the pipes she's just trying to make a, 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 a spectacle she's trying to give them what she thinks everyone wants and that's the sort of motivation that i was talking about earlier which is like you know this this thing these this desperate family and then nothing's been happening nothing decent nothing good or cinematic or worthy of this tv event has been happening so the yeah. the, the, the the elder daughter does something so she and gets, is found out she gets found out um, I was about to say something incredibly Bristolian then. <laughs> oh, know. what were you going to say? She gets gripped, which is incredibly Bristolian for gets caught, gets found out. Oh, uh, I like that. She, get, she gets gripped. Yeah, <laughs> she gets gripped, right? And, uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she gets obviously defensive, as, as you would, and upset. And she kind of goes, this is what you wanted and everything. And then Lynn in the... Uh, studio says it's very common in terms of like these supernatural things it's a process that goes through sometimes these witnesses do start to fake things when things die down a bit or when there's an audience around because they're so keen to kind of um, confirm their story which is true they want to confirm their story so much that when things because ghosts sometimes don't play ball and uh, when you're after that proof they won't give it to you Uh, so yeah apparently it's very common within something like that so She's very upset, of course. They look. Do they look at the the evidence of her with like scratches on her face as well? Oh gosh, when did the scratches on her face come in? I think it's a little bit after this because this is the point really where I kind of feel like yeah, the wind's been like I said earlier, the wind's been taken out of uh, the sails here because now all the doubt has been well proven it's a hoax and 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 everyone's convinced of it apart from the family and apart from lynn pasco and um but it's also the turning point for me where things really start to kick off i i think because everything starts to happen now mm. and we're we're yeah. sort of in the end game towards uh the full-blown well mm. finale which we'll get finale, to in a yeah set. so obviously we do go back to the studio with michael parkinson like happy that it's a, well not happy that it's a hoax but he's like look this is what it was all along what a waste of my time i'll stick up my pay packet uh and that's when we get the guy from america as well who's like not gloating he's like well there we go there's always an explanation that's what should have happened but it's almost like it lulls you into this false sense of it being a hoax and that's when it kind of kicks off suzanne um it's almost like what pipes needed to to show himself essentially in so many ways um so he seems to like possess Suzanne because she starts speaking in that demonic voice is that the scratches happen first and then yeah 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 I'm not sure if this is covered or not whether or not the scratches are because it's mentioned that it might be her fingernails which she doesn't have Uh, but I I think it's like cat scratches right it's supposed to be cat scratches I I think that's that's what that's what's going on in my head I'm not sure if that's ever actually stated but um yeah she is under the covers it's at some point there's a few things that happen and i can't remember the exact blow by blow of, of how we go from well i actually think that yeah what you said she's she's obviously very upset to to have been discovered and then her mm. her mom kind of takes her to bed and 
we go back to the bedroom quite soon after. I think it's after the cut back to the studio that you described. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of covered up by the duvet and they peel it back. And she is, yeah, her face is covered in all these cat scratches. And I think Michael Parkinson even says, oh, she's obviously done it with her fingernails. And then her mum grabs her hand and says, what? Bloody fingernails. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're freshly trimmed all the way down (laughs) to the nubs. (laughs) Um, but and, and yeah, and and this is when inexplicable things start happening and start escalating, and the obvious response um, is to try and get the kids out. And this is the bit where I was joking earlier that you know uh, Sarah sort of man- like just kind of grabs one of the kids, like no, Hello. you're out. Um, but actually, there's a there's a moment where they don't want to leave. Uh, in yeah. fact, the younger of the two st- starts kind of talking to pipes uh he's she she claims that he's in the room with them uh we don't see him uh but everyone talks about how cold it is in the room and how the the elder daughter is burning up with a fever and it's getting pretty creepy at this point and everyone's a little bit uncertain about what's happening what is it that some something ended up broken uh and they talk about the fact it was examined to see what how it broke and it wasn't from like force but it was from temperature change yeah what that was that was stuff that was actually in the studio so that was earlier on and dr they were that was in just one of the segments you know that was almost in one of the filling time segments because this is the crazy thing like it doesn't just seem to be affecting this is what's so good about this. It doesn't seem to just be affecting the house and the people within the house. It's affecting the studio. And it's also like affecting people like nationwide. Yeah. Which is like, which is like crazy, which is like kind of nuts and also adds to the, to the scariness of it. Because not only are people, that must have been <clears throat> so scary from watching it because not only is it like, okay, like it's, it's on TV. It's fine. I'm, I'm away from it. I'm not <laughs> experiencing it myself. No, it's affecting people who are watching it as well, which is, which is freaky. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but we're, I guess we're talking about the finale now, but that, that is mm. essentially explained when, when Dr. Lynn Pasco sort of realizes by broadcasting it, by doing what they've done tonight, they've actually inadvertently created a nationwide seance. Like that's, yeah. she, she kind of says that as things are just going disastrously wrong. So yeah, like the sort of power of pipes, if you like, has uh, manifested to such a degree now because he's kind of like a ghost in the machine almost. He like gets into the studio. And it couldn't be a worse ghost as well because his background is slowly pieced together by interviews with, they interview a neighbor who mentioned somebody called Mother Seddons, who was like Mm. a a Victorian baby farmer here. Yeah, uh, that's, that seems to be like a child minder, but it's a really odd way of putting it. I don't know yeah, uh, why it's called Baby Farmer. Um, but but yeah. apparently she murdered children and it was like a local boge- bogeyman that like people sort of talk about. Um, and when's, when did we hear the story about the dog as well? And it's again when, when Craig Charles is interviewing some of the, some of the locals and the yeah, it, this is why it's so difficult to talk about this because mm. I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly where all these segments happen, but I remember the segments. Um, the Yeah, the dog moment is, is for me one of the darker ones because it seems yeah. to just be this really normal, 
uh interview by like like what what we would see a thousand times on the news like you know the 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 news presenter is out there on the street catching unaware people unawares people asking them a question and it's sort of got that vibe uh craig charles is out there but you know and he's got these two mums and they're just like working yeah. class mums and they're just talking away but the stories that they tell about things that are happening it's about like five-year-old kids getting knifed in the street and this is a this is a sweet little suburban yeah. cul-de-sac and the the stories that they're telling are really horrible and then the one mm. that for me is one of the darkest ones is someone butchered a dog in the play park and then mm. that's bad enough you know like does the dog die in a film well that's immediately going to turn off a whole subsection of the audience uh, we don't see the dog obviously it's just told but then then they add the really gruesome detail that it was pregnant and they had and then that they had spread the oh, yeah. all over the park and i was just like oh, this was broadcast on bbc one yeah and it's just baffling how this got you know it's it's moments like that where you sort of realize oh maybe i understand why it was only ever broadcast once because this is really dark stuff it's just those extra little sort of details those really dark um really gruesome bizarre details as well that kind of add to the mythology of this there's a story as well about the the guy sorry you might need to fill fill me in on this the guy who calls up and he talks about a ghost with a saliva in the mackerel and the yeah the saliva on his shoes yeah, that's weird as well. There's there's actually a few details that even after my many um, viewings, I still don't actually know if they pay off or if they're just red herrings or, or what. That yeah. is one of them. Yeah, just a guy talking about how this entity, this ghost was basically spitting on his fish <laughs> and then talking about how he like spread on excrement fish. on the oh, bathroom yeah. walls and stuff like that. And it's really odd. And I don't know if it's related. And there's another moment, um, which I catch every time I watch it and I keep forgetting to look into it a little bit more, but I saw it again tonight. Uh, when the, uh, in the, in the, the call-in center, someone phones in and they ask them, oh, you hung up before you could tell us your name. Please call us back. And it's oh, this yeah. little plea to get this person to call back. Uh, even now, I've watched this film, I don't know how many times. I don't think that's ever paid no. off. I think that's just a random little thing that but again, happens. are we supposed to think that that person, they haven't called back because they're hurt or because they've been possessed or, you know, something like that? Yeah, maybe, um, maybe, yeah. I just think all these little weird, like really unconventional little stories and moments and little drip fed um, bits of lore towards this haunting make it feel really strange because, you know, the kid have said, Oh, the room got cold. Uh, oh, then there was a face or I heard a voice or stuff like that, which is just like standard haunting fare. But the fact that they had all these weird little um, stories, word of mouth stories, um and word of mouth accounts of hauntings just makes again makes it feel real this is this is why Stephen volk has done something really very special with this it's it's an yeah. amazing piece of of horror cinema it's yeah. really is and i don't want to jump ahead everyone knows that my rating of this film is going to be high i it, it really is staggeringly uh, mm. kind of impressive and important so there's an, an anonymous call from Pipes's probation officer as well. He says, I don't want to give my name out, but he says, I was um, a man called Raymond Tunstall's 
probation officer. Um, Which I think actually kind of identifies him a little bit anyway. Like, okay, well, we've, we, we, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah. given us your name, but you were this guy's probation officer. It's not going to take... It's not going to um... be hard to find out. <laughs> I'm not going to give you my name, right? But I'll give you my address, my national insurance number. Uh, <laughs> and I've, got, uh, I can, uh, I've taken a picture of my passport. I'll send that over as well. But I'm not going to give you my name. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so Raymond Tunstall. And then he kind of tells the story of this guy. So yeah, there, there was a couple who lived in this house and they were renting um a room sort of illegally i guess because i guess it's like a council house so you, you can't really like sublet uh a room to to somebody i think that's kind of the the, the thing they're getting out there isn't it mm. and that he he had gone to prison based on a few things like uh, molestation some sort of assault some a couple of other things that aren't very pleasant um and it says here he's a disturbed paedophile who believed he was possessed by the spirit of that mother Seddons. Who in baby herself, farmer. Yeah. Baby farmer, yeah. Um and they hung himself in the glory hole. Uh, this is a weird, weird little detail. How would the probation officer know that? I mean, I don't know. I suppose he would. Where did he hang himself? Oh, in the in the house, I think. Yeah, but where? In the glory <laughs> he was in the glory hole, mate. And <laughs> this is key as well. His body was eaten by cats yeah <laughs> or like chewed up by cats and i guess is that way why it kind of makes sense that the scratch marks on her are from cats and there's i feel like the scratches marks. as well yeah yeah we haven't but we actually didn't speak about that but there were various cat noises and stuff like that which again just that sound design although you know it's really the the sort of warped again, <clears throat> so that's creepy because uh, it's almost most to think that like there are cat ghosts as well that kind of like go alongside pipes like pipes be. is that like, these cats ate him maybe i don't know whenever they died and he's like right that's it who are those cats that ate me you're stuck with me in the afterlife now you bastards <laughs> yeah yeah so just dark dark uh backstory to what's going on and what's actually happening here and yeah this is the kind of reveal and it's all done quite organically because obviously dr pascoe the family a lot of people don't know this story this hmm. is being pieced together yeah. because of the broadcast and because of the call the collins and and it's it's hmm. done in a in a very kind of neat way where it's 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 um it sort of explains explains all these little random threads and, and weird moments sort of come together um and we get this idea of who he is, and 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 it's kind of at this point when he is revealed that he sort of that pipe sort of uh, is at the height of his power. This is when everything, you know, I said earlier when it it starts to kick off after the hoax mm. is revealed, but it's kind of when he's named, yeah, that shit really hits the fan. And you this is his name. the thing that yeah, this is maybe yeah, maybe just the utterance of his name. It's, well, it's is, been it's been it's been broadcast like across the country as well to yeah. whoever's whoever's watching. So I'm trying to say it's given him him all this power. Um, and it's not long after this, Suzanne like disappears, doesn't she? And then they can hear her from within the, the glory, glory hall. hall. Yes. Are you in a glory hole? Yeah, I am, but I will not tell you I am because that take away the anonymous nature of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. The fun please... is that you don't know. Exactly. Uh, um. So. Yeah, like... she gets locked in there, and they have to start prizing her out, 
and there's quite a lot of chaotic stuff going on at the moment mm. and people are running around and we're actually not sure kind of where everything is it's that wonderful almost found footage element or you know the mockumentary element that we are with the the camera mm. guy we're and in there in there in the chaos so yeah. just as they pry open the door there's a tiny little sliver of pipes's face as they pry open the door because it kind of like shows him and then they quickly just spin around because a mirror smashes and smashes on the sound guy's head um it's a sound guy isn't it? i think it's a sound guy yeah sound guy, it's adrian edmondson adrian edmondson himself adrian are you all right uh uh yeah and obviously um sarah runs over to to see to make sure he's he's okay um he's just bleeding and KO'd and they so probably probably not yeah um, and we lose we sort of lose contact with the inside of the house now so yeah. it gets to this sort of fever pitch of like things going on obviously our guy's been knocked out he's bleeding pretty badly and it sort of cuts back to the studio no one's entirely sure what's happening the the narrative is that they're trying to re-establish contact we even go back mm -hmm. to the street which i think is quite an interesting detail we go back to craig charles and the guy that yeah. we want to do the spin-off with uh on the street <laughs> and as far as they're concerned nothing weird is happening yeah. so we know Everything that inside the house it's gone crazy but outside everyone's it's just business as usual um but we re-establish contact inside the house relatively quickly and perhaps maybe a little bit too quickly because we go back to the house and no one has quite spoken to anyone yet but everyone is sitting in there quite happily playing cards or doing something along those lines in the lounge again uh, yeah. it actually it actually very closely resembles something that we saw them do earlier earlier and, yeah and uh, that's in that's intentional because after a brief amount of time the doctor uh pasco she realizes that what they're seeing on the screen uh is wrong there's they a... did the thing <clears throat> they did the thing from speed you remember when uh oh yeah yeah <laughs> yes you're right <laughs> but pipes is ahead of his time this is before speed but he knows that there's a little trick you can do where you can just loop <laughs> a little bit of video um and even dennis hopper won't realize until he <laughs> It's just Keanu Reeves and and uh, well, what's her name? Who's driving the bus? Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. It's just he's got his hand on her like that, and there's just a little movement, and he goes, ah, <laughs> "Move me over." So basically, Pipes does that, does a little loopage, does a little supernatural video loop, realizes that, uh, yeah, this is from, oh my god, this is from earlier in the broadcast, um, and I think this is the point where you already mentioned but this is the point where she says that pipes is using the broadcast to do a nationwide seance circle he's invading people's homes yep. and then i think it does go back to the live broadcast um as everyone like is getting out of the house everyone's like getting evacuated um everyone except for sarah and and the mum is it the mum oh, i think it's the eldest daughter if I eldest daughter correctly. yeah that's yep. right attempted to rescue suzanne um and the cameraman is sort of like saying to Sarah, don't go in there, don't go in there. But she seems, looks like she gets dragged through the cellar door, the glory mm. hole door. The glory hole. Which then slams shut. And then, yeah, loads of mad shit starts happening um, in the studio. Lights are exploding. Um, this is one of my favorite. This yeah. is one of my favorite uh, uh, pipes sightings. 
He's he's standing up in the rafters, yeah, uh, where the lights are exploding, and he he almost looks like a. You see it so briefly, and I've never paused it to look at it, so maybe I'm totally wrong. But I always think he looks a bit like a cenobite up there, yeah, like a sort I was of just hellraiser about to say thing. That, yeah, yeah, because he almost looks like it doesn't quite seem like a face, does it? It kind of almost looks like somebody who's in a state of in they've been injured, and they kind of look look a bit like a so, so, really undead. Yeah, ghosty. But uh, no, I've never paused at that moment either. But also, like, we can't really see what he's wearing so much. And I know we've had like the button-up, um, sort of thing that's sort of described. But it does almost look like he's wearing some sort of like apron. Yeah, something yeah. We- some weird like that. Yeah. Uh, Pipes are such sights to show us. He's got such sights to show everybody who's watching BBC One at this particular moment. Imagine it, this time, though, if you'd like, I don't know, didn't have a TV in 1992, which I'm sure a lot of people didn't. What, what's that? You'd go out the next day. What's going on here then? <laughs> Lots of people are dead or possessed, and a ghost is like, the, I don't know, like the king of the UK now. Just <laughs> Everyone's just covered in cat scratches. Everyone's covered in cat scratches. The glory holes. Everyone's locked in the glory holes. <laughs> uh, oh, I ain't got a TV. Uh, BBC One. No, don't play my. Don't pay my TV license. I'm afraid. <laughs> Pipes can't get you. It's the only way to be safe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and yeah, so it kind of ends with Pipes essentially taking over the studio. We see we see Michael Parkinson flee. But then this, when it cuts back to this, this is effective, isn't it? When clearly Michael Parkinson's been possessed. This is good. The, the ultimate skeptic as well. Yeah, this is a nice moment because, uh, you know, and we've glossed over all the kind of amazing sound design. Like this last five, ten minutes, the sound is just wonderful and like horrible and will kind of make you sort of cringe and it's it's like yeah. you know screams and warped voices and like slow down and horrible horrible things and cats and like horrible like just stuff that you don't even recognize as human or whatever anymore yeah um but yeah right at the end the studio is in darkness there's one camera still running it's at an odd angle it's not really focusing focused properly on anything mm. and we just see parkinson walking around and then he realizes that the auto cue is still running on this camera and he starts to read it and we realize very quickly that it's probably pipes as words mm. because he starts to say a sort of a sort of nursery <laughs> rhyme and then mm. his voice turns into that weird possessed uh, voice that we've been hearing so yeah like the, the parkinson becomes pipes essentially and it cuts to black and that's oh, it's a pipes. perfect ending yeah it's a perfect ending i would have let that they should have done like a sort of emergency broadcast thing at the end as well just oh like, yeah just to really fuck with the british public you know there is one bit about this ending that sort of doesn't work for me um which is when like high winds suddenly blow through the studio which oh, just yeah. it, it feels a little bit silly to me um but it's a very very small criticism of an otherwise pretty perfect sequence um yeah one step too far something is like feels quite unconventional in terms of the the ghostly stuff yeah maybe just one step too far but still you know i think it's still effective um definitely 90, it's like 30 it's quite insane this 30 years old as well um so yeah that is that is ghost watch the 
yeah so i've got i'm a little bit ashamed of myself because i'm usually not the one who does the name game and he's usually much more on it than me his his examples are much better than mine however i'm going to attempt a couple of these so i apologize in advance not just to you john Crane, <laughs> but also to the listeners because god knows where this is going to go <laughs> well okay okay, okay. um I don't even know where to start. I'm uh, never good at the name game. When I listen, because as you know, I'm a I'm okay. a I'm a fan, I'm a listener, and I'm always terrible at it. And I've never been good when we've played it on the show either. But go ahead, let's see okay. if I can do this. Well, my clues may be even worse, so let's try. This could, <laughs> the next few minutes could be very tough if you're listening. Um so okay, it's a during a reality horror pseudo documentary television film, just before going on air, Michael Parkinson decides to have a lovely um, cooked bread snack, but what seems to happen is some crumbs, <laughs> seem to f- some crumbs seem to fall around his genital area, and it's caught up on the camera. People realise that um, he's he's obviously had a a couple of slices of something before before going on air. I believe it's Toast Watch. It's nearly Toast Watch. The area of where the crumbs are is is oh. also is also key. Is 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 oh. Sh- genital area oh uh toast crotch sorry toast crotch yeah okay Correct. sorry okay i'm 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 on board now okay got you toast uh yeah okay <laughs> i told you it was gonna be bad um <laughs> I'm so during i got it during a reality horror pseudo documentary television film we follow a man who goes around the country um eating as many sunday dinners as he can and keeping an a ta- <laughs> keeping a tally of them Keeping a tally of them. Okay, it's roast. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he's keeping on. a ta- he's keeping a tally of them on a bedpost as well. <laughs> what? Oh, roast notch. Is that roast, it? Roast notch. Correct. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I've I've had a, I've had twenty five roast dinners just this month. Oh, he has them on a Sunday, so it's only four. Oh, okay. And finally, right okay. Oh, yes. Ten to eleven p.m. roast dinner. Let's oh, jeez, 10 to 11 already. My gosh. I've, I've only got one more for you as well. Do it. Um, during a reality horror pseudo-documentary television film, we go into the house of uh, of a woman who claims there's a haunting. She's got a couple of young, a uh, couple of daughters in there as well. However, when the TV crew arrive, she doesn't offer them a drink. She doesn't offer them a place to sit down. She's, t- she's terrible at, at having guests. Oh man. Host. Yeah. Is the first one toast, but she's a bad host, so it would she's be a bad host. host. She's got something wrong. She's screwed it right up. She screwed up being a host. Ho- oh. This is beautiful, Ben. Host botch. Host botch. <laughs> Correct. That is uh, Oh, that's... that's your finest work. Host my botch. finest work. I love I've it. Never done... I've never done better than that. Who knows if Andy Conduit Turner's uh that's three out of three, but who knows if Andy Conduit Turner's name game would have been any better? Host oh, Botch. She is a bit rude actually. I think that at one point Sarah Green goes, Oh, I'm gonna go make a coffee. And I'm like what? Wait what a second. A coffee? <laughs> it's always weird making a coffee in in someone else's house. Where are the mugs? I... Where's the spoon? Oh no, they've any... yeah. I think it's yeah. a bit presumptuous how she just like 
cart like she just chucks her coat over the banister when she walks in right at the start and i'm like you don't do that in someone's house that's not cool she just walks in takes it off shrugs off her coat over the banister into the kitchen green too familiar so so rude yeah Mm. it's a bit too familiar and then she's all pally with the kids come on don't believe it she's the real villain Uh, she's the real villain of the piece Forget, (laughs) forget pipes okay so what we need to do now is rate uh, Ghost Watch, rate good or rate bad, from A to F. Where you where you're sitting on this? I know I know you you're feeling pretty. Yeah, I mean the thing is right. Whenever I come on the show, it's generally not always, but generally for a film that you know I'm a big fan of. So I think I always skew your results because I'm always coming on talking about some of my favorite movies. And I love this movie, as has very, been very clear throughout. Uh, I find the A to F quite a difficult thing to navigate. If I was rating this on Letterboxd, which I actually have stopped rating movies, I now just, I now just mark the movies that I like because I realize that you know one three-star movie is, is a very different to another three-star movie, and it seems like such a crude way to, to do it. Mm. Um, but if I was rating it on, on uh, something like Letterboxd, I would give it five stars. Like Ghostwatch is a five stars. But how does that translate? It's not an A+. Plus. Like it's, it's, you know, so five stars and A+, plus are not the same thing. But is it as low as an A? It's, it's somewhere between an A- minus and an A. Hmm. I don't know. I, th- I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm going to have to just say a straight A, which is a really strong score. I really, hmm. really love this movie. I think five stars probably translates to an A or an A plus. I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, it it must do because say. it's like perfect, right? It can't you can't go any higher on Letterbox, but yeah. I don't think it's I don't think I'm ready to say A plus. It's it's an A+. it's an A. It's a mm. wonderful masterpiece. But there, yeah. I do have a couple of little little things like yeah. I would change. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like it is it is masterful in a way. Some things have aged. Yes, maybe I've not got like the nostalgic. Even though you said you only saw it like six years ago or something, like it's it's not something that I watch every single year. Um, this is probably like the third time maybe I've seen it. I've probably only the second time I've seen it all the way through. I think before I'd seen clips and bits and bobs, and I watched it in full probably only a couple of years ago. Um, and then so I mean I, again, I completely understand why it's a cult cult movie slash TV film. I completely understand that and respect it. Um, and watching it again and again talking talking it through at such great detail uh with yourself and it, i feel like i say this every single week but when you chat about something to great detail no matter how bad it was you always end up appreciating it just just a little bit more than perhaps you did the first time around because you kind of especially when you're talking about things that you that you really enjoyed about it and uh i'd probably go for a b plus i'd be willing to go for an a minus um I'm not sure what what would nudge me over to a B to an A but A minus. I really like the fact that it's gained such a, such traction as being like a cult favorite, and the fact that we're getting a, a a Blu-ray release. B it's getting it's getting screened at like film festivals and stuff, and people are get people are seeing it on the big screen. I think that's incredibly exciting. Um, as something that could have just ended up being like a bit of a dud, you know, if it was in different hands, it could have yeah. just been like. A complete re- repro- reproduction of of something like that eventually became 
most haunted, you know, in the end and, you know, floating chairs and very silly things. And it could have been really over the top. I think it was handled really well. So I think I'd go for a, and yeah, we've all, all, already mentioned the fact that it's very, very British. It's got a lot of familiar British faces and it just seems to capture that sort of like light entertainment slash live TV of the early 90s, which had a very specific sort of look and feel and flavor. Mm. Captures that really, really well. So I think I think I'll just go for a B my up uh, sorry, a B plus. Don't want to drop what am I doing? A B plus, I think, is fair. Um and maybe it'll start maybe it'll find its way onto my regular Halloween watching from now on and maybe I'll become more f- more fond of it. That's solid scores. Solid scores all around, I would say. Yeah. And if you've never seen it before, I highly recommend watching it. But also if you're a fan of, you know, those videos which say all of the sp- all of the ghostly spots that you missed throughout watch one of those videos on YouTube as well, because that always opens your eyes to other things like, okay, there are layers to this. There are a lot, there are layers to it. And, uh, it's a, it's a very well-made piece of piece of television. Uh, I, yeah, I would put it up there amongst the very, very high, like, like the, the Titans of horror cinema. I think it's, uh, it's up there with the, the best that, oh, that wow. our genre okay. has to offer. I, I think it has an importance <laughs> beyond just how good it is. Um, it's a very, very, very good piece of work. Mm. And it really does sort of like capture that um, the time period as well. And we've already mentioned about like the technology available. But yeah, you've got War of the Worlds, Ghost Watch, Blair Witch Project, and then possibly Host as being like the four horsemen of the Tech horror horror technology apocalypse. (laughs) Again, it really just captures captures a particular time in horror cinema and like makes the most of what's available to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go and check out the the documentary Ghost Watch Behind the Curtains, just so I can find out a little bit more from that. I'm very interested to see it. It's a good watch. Yep. Recommend. I I I want to rewatch it again, actually. It's been a little while since I've watched that last, but yeah. It's about as long as it's feature length, so it's a nice little double bill. Oh yeah, perfect double bill. I will uh I will go and check it out. Uh okay, thank you very much for joining us again, John. This has been a hell of a lot of fun. Where can our listeners keep up to speed with, you know, short films you're making, things you're writing, uh, uh horror films you're watching? <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I mean everything's basically everything's accessible through um John Crinan dot com which is g-o-h-n-c-r-i-n-e-n uh and i'm also at john crinan on uh twitter and instagram i'm so tired i just i don't know if i spelt my name correctly there but i think i did you'll find it then i'll put it in the show notes uh and um (laughs) and yeah yeah i'm kind of like i guess i'm kind of more active on instagram but i'm starting to rediscover my love for twitter actually I kind of flipped, mm, I kind of flipped okay. and I'm starting to post a little bit more on Twitter. So, so come over and, and find me on Twitter and encourage me to post more on there. Yeah. But yeah, that's me uh, at John Crennan. Awesome. On those two come things. on over. Okay. Uh, that's well, I was about to say what next week is, but I don't think we've officially put it out there yet. So November episodes, we've got a few confirmed with a few guests confirmed as well. I won't list all the guests. However, films will be covering include uh elvira mistress of the dark will be next week um we'll be covering carrie 2 the rage 
we'll be covering Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh. The Last House on the Left. And Tetsuo the Iron Man. Oh, uh, wow. Next month's uh, a good month. So, five episodes and also quite a cross-section there of, of movies, genres. And yeah, we've got lo- loads of interesting guests lined up. We'll be putting out the details of that on socials probably on the 1st of November. So keep an eye out for that. Yes. So Beautiful. As a fan, I'm excited about Tetsuo for sure. That's going to be a that's going to be a good episode. Yeah, that was just a, a random little choice that we put out there based on based on the guests we're having on. So yeah, um, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreoncom forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to our patrons, patrons including John Crinnan, patron against his will, <laughs> Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller, Lane Spencer, Ollie Chard, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilger, Nick Spill, Rob Parker, brand new patron Troy Bursch. Uh, oh, long time listener, long time listener of the show, and uh, guy who always interacts with us on social media, always giving us um, loads of interesting thoughts and sharing loads of cool stuff with us. Thanks, Troy. Uh, oh, and Pazuzu, forgot to include Pazuzu. Don't do that. Um, yeah, so there we go. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks for Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to Acast for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review. Head over to Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter at horror underscore hangout underscore. And we're on Instagram at horror hangout podcast. Whew, there we go. And uh, thanks again, John. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, please join us on the show more regularly because it's always a good time. Always, 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 always happy to join you. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. No problem. I'll, uh, I'll see you very soon. Take care now and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.